to show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Off the Mats Podcast. And this week on the podcast, uh, the last few podcasts have been kind of, you know, kind of an alternating door, whether it be jujitsu or mental health or just nonsense. I like to be silly sometimes. I want to come back to jujitsu in a little bit of nonsense and silly because we're versatile here. I think that's the right word. So for this episode of the podcast, I want to welcome back a good friend to the show, a good friend in jujitsu and just a good friend overall. I haven't had him on in a while and miss him. So welcoming back to the podcast student of bjj zach how you doing friend thank you for coming yeah. back how you been very happy to be here doing well um yeah things have been wild uh at the, at the hubert house um we had our second we welcomed her uh in may so a lot of what i've been doing is just trying to get that whole situation stabilized and uh, you know, having a kid really makes you into a, a hermit if you're not careful, and that's definitely what happened with me. So I'm glad to be venturing back out again into the land of real people. Good, good. <laughs> and when you you uh, sent the picture, I was like, it took a second to process in my brain because I'm I'm a little slow. I see a, a baby, and I was like, I was like, oh wait a minute, that's a baby. Wait, it was like, wait, did you? Have a baby? Oh, congratulations! Yeah, um, so yeah, awesome. Congrats to you and your family. That that's um, there's got to be an amazing thing, you know, just growing a family and and like you said, you know, having kids kind of turns you into a hermit to some degree, especially when you have you know little ones like infants um, in the home. So, you know, welcome back to venturing back out and kind of getting your legs back. And then also welcome back to diaper changing. That's yes. got to be an adventure. You know, it's never really bothered me. I thought it would before I became a dad the first time. Uh, I thought diaper changing was going to be just this nightmare. And it's, you know, it's really not too bad. You get used to it. It's just something that needs to be done for somebody that you brought into this world. So. The, uh, the hardest part is the, you know, lack of sleep for a while kind of puts you into a weird tailspin until, you know, things level out a little bit. Yeah, that, I think that was one of our concerns about having a second child because Sophie was such a good sleeper. And my wife, her job is she goes, she's a newborn care specialist. So I didn't she know that. Goes, yeah, yeah, she, it, it, like, well, I think I might have, I don't know what I called her before. Hey, God, I'm not even sure what I was titling her. And then one day she was like, yeah, newborn care specialist. So I was like, okay, sure. So she, <laughs> she goes to people's homes with infants for several weeks and helps them develop a sleep pattern for the babies. Nice. And um, takes care of them in the night, which, you know, for her, it like I told her, I used to work nights. I was like, yo, man, night work is not, it's not easy. She's like, I'll be fine. I was like, Are you sure? It's like, yeah, yeah, I'll be fine. And then, wow, um, part of our discussion about having a second child, she was like, basically, I don't want to leave you home, you know, with, you know, a, a second baby to deal with that. And I was like, well, by the time a second baby comes along, you know, 
the other one's going to be older. Yeah. So I wouldn't have two infants, but I get what she she's saying. And then also, again, we were just, I feel like very lucky because Sophie was a very, very good sleeper. And, you know, we, she was like, I don't know what that second one's going to be like. That second one might actually <laughs> exhibit more Dante characteristics and be like, let's party all night. Let's party all night. I know a lot of people that got lucky on the first one and decided to just go ahead and swing the bat for the second. And uh, yeah, they realized it wasn't all what they thought it was going to be. Yeah, like for us, it, it was just it because we we talked about it, it was like like Sarah's first pregnancy. It, it, everything was great. Like we were like, dude, if this is how it's going to be every time, let's have twenty kids. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's have them all. But then. When we start thinking, I was like, hmm, I think we got a little lucky. So let's um just chill out. Just 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 be cool. Let's not um make any crazy decisions until we really thought about it. And we was just like, you know what? Let's, you know, stick with what we have for you know for, for the time being. And now as my child is seven. And I went to check on her before we started recording. She's in there partying. So she was a good sleeper as a baby. But now as a seven-year-old, she's like, she's like, honey bunny, it is late. Like, I can't get my brain to shut off. I get that. And I don't know what to tell a seven-year-old at that point. I'm just like, okay. Yeah. So I don't know. But yeah, that that's... um. You know, on your end, exciting news. Happy to hear that. How's training been going for you? Well, from about, I don't know, a month or so before uh, Hazel was born. And then the first, like, two months uh, after. So it was like a three-and-a-half-month span, I think, that I didn't train at all. Um, beforehand, I was just worried I was going to blow my knee out or something and not be able to help out. So I decided to, you know, just just take a break and I could, you know, try to wrap up what I could around the house in that time. And then, um, after she was born, there was just, you know, no time or energy to, to train. So I got back into it. Um, I've been training more consistently now for, I guess about two and a half months. It's always hard when the fall hits, there's always so much going on. Um, so I'm like, like last week I didn't train a single time because I had to travel for work and had some other stuff going on. The week before that, I was able to train like four days, uh, which was like a high watermark for me lately. So it's just every week is like, you know, if I can fit in, I do. And um, yeah, I don't. I think I'm still as passionate about jujitsu as I ever have been. Um, just got to find ways to fit it in around all the, you know, other craziness that goes on. No, definitely understand that. The, this time of year, like you said, gets busy activities. It's life. Yeah. Um, I think actually I was away for a while. I've, I've also been consistent uh, at least once per week consistently for the last two months now. We're yeah. in October. So I want to say, I want to say I started back on the mat probably around the end of July. Okay. And and I've, I've been feeling pretty good, but since I'm only doing it once per week, I'm only, I'm back to only Saturdays again. 
and now we're we're down to one vehicle. Uh, people out here in uh, Anne Arundel County, Maryland, love to run red lights. It's, it's like it's a sport to them down here. So <laughs> it's like they see a red light and they're like, "Oh, I can make that." It's like, um, it's red. You you can't make that. That means stop. But they just go. So um, they hit my wife's car and oh my god. It, like it, it, it's a weird one because like everything was fine, everyone was fine. Um, she had a small case of whiplash. Um, and the car seemed like it was okay. The mechanics were like, "Look, um, we could repair this, but you've also got over two hundred thousand miles, so yeah, the choice is yours." And the insurance was like, "Look, I'm gonna give you a bunch of money, just." Just take the bunch of money, and 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 go. So, right now we're using like my vehicle is the only vehicle in the home. So, most weekends I'm free to train, but the last two weekends, then booked out. They're like, hey, we got these activities. I'm like, hmm, I could catch an Uber. I could jog. And everyone who whose training is coming from the opposite direction, so I was like, mm. "Yeah, I can't go." Yeah, so I'm just like, you know what? It's fine. It, it, the it, it's the family compromise, you know. Yeah. On Saturdays, I train twice a day, so and and they're you know they don't ever pitch any complaints about it. So, you know, just you know, you you gotta you know be fair on both sides of the table. Yeah, you doing all gi or have you mixed in some no gi? So right now it's all gi. Um, I can get to Friday nights. It's just it's a push, and that's no gi. And I would love to get to that class a lot more. But I did see on the schedule at one of our other gyms that they have a no gi class at six p.m. on I want to say Monday and Wednesdays. It's the only concern to me is with my new work schedule. My work schedule has affected my wife's work schedule where again, she works at night. So yeah. it used to be, she didn't have to be into work until about 10 o'clock. So she could leave at about eight 45, get to work on time. No issues. Since I now need to leave for work in the morning by seven 30, she has to leave here. Like she she starts with the families now at around nine o'clock so she can get a full night in as well. So she has to leave here about 7 30, 7 45. So trying to kind of measure that time of okay, if I go to class from six to seven, and then I still got like a 30-minute drive, depending on what the traffic's like. You know, so it's like kind of back to where I was um at my oh our gym nearby so i i think what i might start trying to do with that is maybe one of those two classes just come home grab my daughter and then like, oh wait never mind well once we get the new car uh come home grab my daughter and then just kind of do the six to seven yeah and then at least because i do like no gi 
I started Nogi and it's weird because I got so used to the gi and then I was like, oh, I don't want to ever do no gi again. And now I'm like, now that I've committed to the ideal of like gi or no gi, I'm always going for the Kimura. That grip is just life. So now I want to get back to no gi to, I feel like also the Kimura, like just that grip in general is a lot more inviting in no gi for me because with the gi it bunches up around the arm and yeah sometimes it's easier to get it because of the less friction yeah and and i'm the i'm the sweaty guy so even in the gi my gi like on saturday my gi was drenched and someone had like i had them in the kimura but then they started turning and it kind of started to reverse on me and i was trying to pull my arm out i was like oh I'm stuck because of <laughs> my gi is yeah. drenched. So I, I, I want to get back to the no gi for sure. But right now it's just gi um, two times on Saturdays. Um, one's a regular class. And then the other one's a private lesson, actually, because I felt like after COVID and coming back to the Mets, I didn't feel like. I felt like I was a fresh blue belt. You know, I was like, I, I, I know jujitsu, but I don't know it. So I sat with my coach and I was like, look, I just want to go over just kind of a system, like a, a game plan for me. And and just, you know, and that's where the Kamora comes into play. So basically, home base is always Kamora. No matter what we're doing, we're getting to the Kamora. We're going from knee cut. We're working a side control to get to a Kimura. Uh, we get your back. There's going to be a Kimura there waiting for you. Like, yeah. That grip is going to be home based no matter what. Turn into an arm bar, turn into omoplata. So that is that is the ideal right now. But um <laughs> but yeah, with, with you, um I saw a while back what you, you got a stripe on your brown belt um any any additional stripes or still just the just the one stripe hanging out there and, and progressing yeah i'm uh yeah i'm up to two um things are, nice. are rocking and rolling um Good. it's weird actually i'm just am i up to three now i seem to check my pictures i don't remember I had well, I had a uh, one that came off in the wash, and so I've been confused myself about how many. You know, after a while, you just stop caring. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and that, that's why I'm at blue belt right now. I was like, mm, yeah. I have this blue belt. Yeah, uh, and there's always you know the um, you know imposter syndrome. So in my in my in my heart, I'm nowhere near a brown belt. But trust trust the coaches. You know, if they want to tie it on you, then just. Just deal with it, you know. Got a target on your head, and deal with it. <laughs> that that's the one thing is the target. One of uh one of my teammates who we both got promoted to blue belt right around the same time. I think I got my blue belt like two months prior to him. He just got uh his brown belt uh, about a month ago, and nice. I haven't seen him since. So I saw him yesterday. And I was like, like that, that's all I wanted was him. I did not care who else was in that class. I just wanted him. And um, after he armbarred me 
three times. I was like, okay, you know, maybe I don't really want you, but <laughs> you know, I have to roll with you because yeah. we came up together and, you know, I can brag about the fact that he, he, he saw me rolling with someone else. He was like, why are you letting him get you in the triangle? I was like, I'm not worried about him in this triangle. You see my stocky neck. They can't choke me. So he shot for a triangle. And after he couldn't get it, he armbarred me. And, you know, we got to laughing afterwards. Like, look, I know I couldn't get the triangle on you. So I figured I may as well take the armbar. I was like, well, that's the problem with me. I'm like, so like hell bent on blocking the triangle. I'm not thinking about my arm exposed. Right. But, <laughs> but yeah, had, you know, you know, getting bumped up always puts the target on your back, no matter which rank it is, blue, purple, brown. Maybe not so much black. I don't know. Um, I, I know I'm not targeting any black belts. And <laughs> in, in reality, I'm only targeting one brown belt, and that's because you know we're we're friends. But right, it comes with the game. yeah. I typically um, just try to survive against everyone. You know, I have. I swear, I trained with white belts that felt like black belts, just in terms of you know when their athleticism kicks in and. Uh, you know, I live in a college town, so you'll get these guys and girls that come in and they're just absolutely physical specimens. And uh, most of my role ends up being just survive and delay until I can, you know, either wear them out or whatever. So, um, yeah, I don't target anybody. I usually just try to uh, work my positions, you know, whatever I can do, try to get control. So, like, when you... I, I'm, you know, I know it's different kind of at most gyms, um, but like, is there any issue or kind of concern with like a lower belt calling for a role with like a higher belt, like a brown belt or a purple belt? Some people have an ego about it. Um, not specifically at my gym. Like, I don't know of anyone, but it's, it's widespread in the culture. You know, there's a lot of people that do get upset. So, um, I never have a problem. You know, I love when, when a white belt or whoever comes up to me with the only caveat to that is there are a couple of people that I just won't roll with. You know, I, they're, they're, they want my head and they are willing to, to break me to get it. And I'm just not, you know, I'm late. I'll, I'll be 38 this month. I have two kids and a full-time job. I'm not trying to get my arm broken because somebody just wants to beat, you know, the local brown belt or whatever. Yeah. Um, so there's a few people that I will, you know, to explain to them, like, I'm, I'm sorry, it's not worth it to roll with you. Um, but in general, yeah, like, I'm down to roll with anyone. I love rolling with, you know, um, people that are a lot smaller than me, uh, just because I have a chance to to really work and focus on technique. They tend to be a lot faster. They tend to be a lot more slippery. And I love training with people that are a lot bigger than me because, you know, that's, that's what we all want to train for is, you know, a bigger opponent that comes at us. So, um, you know, white belt to black belt at any size. I don't really care who, you know, asks if they want to roll as long as that's all it is. You know, it's, it's a good, fun role uh, and it can be competitive as long as it's, you know, in control. I want to be able, if I get into a bad position, I want to be able to trust that the person's not going to just take the arm home with them or whatever, you know, so. And that's the important thing Definitely. to me. Yeah, I, I've been seeing that come up a little bit lately on social media and it's been kind of 50 50 you know i've been seeing you know i've been seeing a lot more 
of it on the other side of saying basically, you know, there shouldn't be any ego about it. Just roll with people. Don't be afraid to ask someone to roll. Uh, whereas, you know, for a while, I was seeing, you know, a lot of things like talk about rules of the mat. Don't ask a higher rank to roll. Things like that. And I don't know. It was just a, a weird thing, you know, to me thinking, you know, a, a, you know, would assume with certain respects to it. You know, like if if you're a white belt and you want to roll with a black belt, don't like be disrespectful about it. But you know, I, I've always felt like you know, as long as there was like a respectful way about going about it, like just you know, friendly, like, hey, would you like to roll? You know, get anyone? Because I know for myself, I, I've never thought of you know anyone that's ever asked me to roll or you know me asking anyone to roll that there's any any disrespect to it and yeah there are the roles that you want to be safe about there's some people you know it's just like you get people like you said that, that want to you know they're just out there collecting trophies on the mat and then there are some people that just you know they're new they're maybe a little unsafe um but they're strong and yeah yeah that, that that's a that that's always my concern. I love rolling with the, with the bigger guys in the gym, mainly because it, it's forcing me to work on defense. Um, but sometimes you encounter there's a there's a white belt, fairly new, but you could tell he has some grappling experience, and I was coming off a groin injury, so, you know, trying to get back to the safe space of guard was kind of a no-no for me because if i get him back to guard he's going to try to just break through it and i've got a groin injury so i was just like right. you know what let me just get to guard but kind of play open guard a little bit this was just so so strong but reckless to the point where i was just like okay i'm just gonna let this guy get side control because it I've seems like he doesn't <laughs> yeah he didn't know what to do from there. He just had side control, just holding. I was like, okay, I'm just gonna let him get here, and I'm gonna kind of work to half guard a little bit, and then you know try to get up to a you know a knee tap sweep or you know even like kind of a um you know pass pass over and get like get to his back. You know, just something simple to keep him from trying to muscle and and rip my limbs off. But other than that, yeah, I always felt like it just. Be respectful with the roles. Be polite on how you ask, and it should be no problem. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, it just—I'm trying to do this when I'm 60, 70, 80 years old, and I don't need a lingering shoulder injury because somebody just wanted that tap. So, uh, it's not even. It's, for me, it's not even like a polite issue. It's like, how dare you issue? Like, like I'm a person with a goal, you know, with goals in life, and you are literally coming to class trying to take that from me. And it's not, that's not even an issue of politeness. That's an issue of like common decency. Um, like how can you, how can you train for the next 20 years when your goal is to, to damage every training partner that you have? Like, it doesn't make sense. I don't understand the mentality. And if, if you need to start training hard because you have, an event coming up, a super fight or a tournament or whatever, like fine, communicate that, but pull your punches at the very end. Like it, if you get to the armbar position, then, you know, 
you won basically like in your own mind you, you should realize like you won and if you want to work on the the final you know last mile then do that but you still don't have to like break the arm in order to get ready for a tournament you know that's that's ridiculous yeah i i, I definitely agree with that i i've noticed in our saturday class we don't have too many uh competitors in that class like everyone's you know trying to get better but no one that i can think of off top is um on a competition team i think at our our other gym um in the opposite direction is actually saturday morning they have a competition class over there going for 90 minutes so you know i think most of those cats are over there which is fine by me it's like yeah stay over there like I'm sure we like you to come here to give us a push every so often, but nah, nah. I, I, I used to train over there on Wednesday mornings. And even though that was a mixed levels kind of casual class, that's where all the competitors were. So there's no such thing as the, you know, casual class there. And I was rolling with the guy who just got done competing over the weekend. I didn't know this, but apparently he tours ACL. Or I don't know if he tore, but he damaged his ACL pretty badly, and he he just wiped the floor with me. And I you know I get out of class and I'm texting one of my other teammates because he's always asking me about training. You know I was like yeah I rode with so and so. I was like really? He's not supposed to be rolling. He just busted <laughs> his ACL up. I was like well it didn't look like it on um, like this morning. He he beat the dog shit out of me, dude. Like. I was like, and you know, he he was really nice about it. We talked afterwards. Yeah. It was like, it was like, I mean, you know, I guess I am, you know, going up against a world champion. It was like, I mean, that you know, that was last year. I mean, right now I'm just a dude. I was like, yeah, but you're that dude on that level, going to the next level. So, you know, we, we are not the same. But there's a way to go about things, and you know, he he was he's one of those guys that. Again, even though he's a competitor, he's not ripping on bars. He's not ripping kamoras or hill hooks or anything. Um, in no gi, at least, no one's ripping hill hooks in the gi. Um, but you know, he he's he's real cool about it. it. All all of our bigger guys, at least, are. But we do have some smaller characters that are just like, it's like I get that you're small. You may not think that you're that strong, but I'm 45. And yeah. like, I, my joints aren't that strong either. So, you know, you know, that, that Kamora that you just pulled, it hurts. And it will uh, hurt tomorrow. Yep. I mean, like something's going on with my right elbow. Um, and then granted, this is my fault because I didn't tap. I did fight out of the arm bar. But later that afternoon, I was like, huh, my elbow feels funny. And it's been feeling funny ever since that was three weeks ago. But, you know, there is the responsibility, too, of, like, knowing it's like, hey, this guy kind of rips those those types of submissions, you know, tap before it even even goes. Because there there is a thing of, like, you know, you want to work that defense and get out of those moves. At least, you know, I, I'm kind of stubborn and I try to. But now I'm getting to that point where it's like I'm just tapping before the arm. Like, if, if I lose the grip. I'm just calling for tap. It was like, look, yeah. I know where this is going. You want this arm and and I want to defend, but you know, I 
it, it's Saturday. I got to go watch Michigan play, and I, I don't want to do that while wearing a sling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, most like if it's a a choke, bow and arrow, whatever. Like, I'll I enjoy the process of trying to get out of those, you know, and I'll I'll take it to the edge. Um, but there's some things that just there's probably like four main things that if I see them happen or if I get in a situation, I'm willing to walk away from the role um, or at least tap. So if I'm in an arm bar, you know, if somebody has me in an arm bar and I have my hands connected, when they start pulling with their entire body weight, I will verbally tap way before my grip slips or sometimes as it slips, if I'm just not quick enough, because a lot of people don't understand how quickly that arm can can flatten out and they're putting all of their weight behind it. Um, the same thing with, uh, you know, a Kimura, if you're, if somebody has you in North South or whatever, and they, they get that Kimura grip and you're holding your hands or your gi or whatever, some people will just absolutely try to break that grip. And if the grip goes, the arm goes. Um, so that's another situation where I'll usually just verbally tap because I don't, I don't have full faith in some people. You know, there's some people where I'll, you know, I'll fight it. And I know that if I slip, they're going to be in total control at that point. You know, they're not going to accidentally hurt me, um, which is great. That's that's the training partner that I don't care if they wipe the floor with me. I know that they're not going to damage me. You know, they have that level of control. Uh, and then if I see somebody jump guard, uh, I'm not rolling with them. Like, absolutely not. And, you know, I've told some people before, you know, well, we don't do that. Well, like, yeah, I better not see you do it again or whatever. Um, but at that point I still, like, if I see them do it a second time, that's it. I'm never rolling with them again. That's just, if you jump guard or if I see like a scissor takedown, yeah. like those are the four big ones. Like those are full four ways that I could end my jujitsu career overnight. And I'm just not willing to, to deal with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the jumping guard one is, so one of our, um, competitors won't before we were um, a different gym we had like a smaller competition team and one of our actually i think two of them get no one get injured in competition because one jump guard and blew out both her knees oh yeah and that's the thing is it, it can easily it can easily be one but it can easily be both oh man i'm just thinking about it now and it just sucks but um when I first started training, she, I remember she was just like getting back on her feet. So, you know, she was still on crutches though. And then um, one of our other competitors later on, she had knee surgery. And upon returning to competition, I remember we're all at Inaga out in um, Baltimore and she had the there was no one in her uh, division. She was a blue belt. So she went up against a purple belt and this purple belt jump guard and collectively our entire team, you could hear us all just gasp. Fortunately, oh. you know, she, she, like the girl jump guard and, and our um, teammate, she just went, you know, she dropped, she was like, you know, fuck this. I'm, I'm not, you know, going to stick around for it. I'm not trying yeah. to catch you or carry your way. And, and the girl was bigger than her too. That's what got us. It was like, Come on, do you guys not know how to pull? Like if, yeah. if, if you're if you're trying to get the guard, just pull guard. Um, the un uncontrolled body weight is the most dangerous, like most dangerous thing in jujitsu. 
in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, but at, at like at our gym now, we are primarily uh, we primarily pull guard. Uh, you know, we have the occasional. You know, we got you know a few wrestlers on the team. You know, they want to shoot, get those points, and then work from there. Uh, you know, when I was sitting with my coach and he and I were talking, it's like, okay, so one of the things we want to establish with you is, do you want to be a takedown guy? Or do you want to pull guard and then, you know, work a sweep and then, you know, try to, you know, get back to the top? And I was like, at 45, I don't know that I'm really interested in takedown. So I'm just, head up, down is a lot. So, <laughs> um, you know, I have them at Arsenal for sure. You know, I got a few trips there. Um, single leg is, isn't hateful, but, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to get into a fight for it. So if I need to pull guard and, and it's always funny because on Saturdays after class, we have open mat and, you know, you'll, you will all like start standing on the feet. And it's just funny because you got these guys, we, we all know what, what's there. We all know that we want to pull. So it's a matter of, and one of our coaches, he's always saying, be first. Yeah. But when you know the other one, you know, it's like, okay, who who gets the grip and who does what? So then you get a lot of double pulls. Or what I do is I, I if I know you're gonna pull, I just go ahead and let it happen. But because I know it's coming, I know to, you know, kind of catch you or kind of get my knee wedged in there so that way I'm not fully locked in. But it's always funny watching like okay, you know they both want to do it. Who's gonna who's gonna get there first? Yeah, who's gonna get you know, same time deal. And then, you know, if there's a if there's a tap, you know, and then it's time for a reset. More often than not, we just start from the ground at that point. Like, look, we already know. Just, just let's start <laughs> sitting down. Especially me. Like, I, I'm usually the oldest one in the class, so I'm like, look, man, I'm not trying to do this. If this was, if this was eight years ago, you know, I'm all for the takedown game, but it, it's not. I, I think once I turned forty. I decided that the takedowns were not for me. I was like, I think I woke up uh, when I turned 40. I went in and trained. I felt good. Two weeks later, I felt every bit of 40. I was like, okay. <laughs> it came for you in the night. Yeah. I woke up and my body was like, oh, you slept wrong when you're back. Uh-huh. But, but hey, it, it, it's part of the process. It's like taking care of your body and and also again for our age it's like just knowing like look we want to do this for a longer time so you know rolling with the right people taking care of ourselves off the mat you know whether it be yoga or um you know different dietary needs you know it, it's all it's all the important things that we have to do to keep ourselves in this game longer that's it um, so you mentioned uh, not being interested in takedowns, and, and I kind of felt that way for a long time. Um, but I will give you a counterpoint. Um, one of the biggest things I've been working on lately is just changing levels in general. So if I'm if I'm down uh, and I try a sweep or, or something that doesn't work, being able to wrestle up, you know, coming up from the bottom, has had huge benefits for me. You know, hitting single leg, double legs, coming up from a failed dummy sweep or whatever, you know, just being ready for it. Um, and I've gotten a lot better at those primarily because I've been more aggressive with working takedowns. 
like if you're like for me it's just a takedown from a different position so having that extra bit of aggression in those situations has been been a huge benefit for me i still suck at takedowns but i i can now hit them coming up uh much better than i ever could coming down uh, and if you're not if you're not doing it i highly recommend working that into your game because so much of you know the butt scoot game can be multiplied by just changing your level you know coming up when they don't expect it true true so i had been kind of working with changing my levels and a lot of it's been kind of to go for the ankle pick yep and i hit the ankle pick but not super high percentage but it's like when i'm going with like the purple belts it's that they already know it, you know, because it's like a lot of time I'm kind of telegraphing it because I'm still trying to figure it out myself. But, you know, white belts and other blue belts is like, oh, the ankle's there. I'm taking it. <laughs> um, and, and even with a couple of purple belts, um, you know, when we're messing around with the grips, I end up, you know, getting to the single leg. So, you know, it's available. It It's kind of how I look at it with um, inverting. I, I don't consciously want to do it, but when I'm rolling, I know it's available and I can do it. Yeah. It's just, nice having I'm like, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's always there in the pocket. It's just, I would prefer not to go to that pocket, but with the takedowns, it, it, it depends too. If I got somebody that like, cause on our, in our Saturday morning class, we, part of our warm up is grip fighting and, and just, you know, kind of get into that position for the takedown. And we don't have a lot of wrestlers in that class, but there are a couple in there and they're trying to get comfortable in the gi. So it's a lot of fun messing with them. Yeah. Because they're thinking, okay, I got to get these grips. I got to go for, you know, like a hip toss or, you know, a, a trip or something. It's like, or you can still shoot your takedown from here. Like, you, you know, you can still get the single leg. You can still get the high crotch. There's still things available. So with the wrestlers, because I think they're thinking about, you know, trying to just be pure jujitsu, it's like, okay, I can go ahead and use your game against you because you're thinking about my game. So yeah. like, I think that's but, a lot of wrestlers get their um their uh, feelings hurt is not quite the right word, but but they come in with all these incredible habits and they they shoot a single leg double leg and they get guillotined. And they do it five or six times and they get completely shook and they, they don't want to shoot anymore because they think it's completely ineffective, you know, because of the chokes that are available. And it's one of the worst things that can happen to a wrestler, in my opinion, is to lose that confidence. Uh, because honestly, if they would just stick with it and figure out how to update the technique, the wrestling philosophy is what would take them so much further than a lot of the jujitsu basics, you know, being able to, to go for that single leg and, and just maintain a better distance with your head and turn the corner and you know, do all the little things that make you hard to choke, you're going to be first to points and you're going to have a dominant position and you're going to win those rounds that us jujitsu specialists are going to struggle with. Yeah, that's one of the things with the Friday Nogi class is um, our coach for that class is a former D1 wrestler. So he does go over a lot of that with that group. So whenever I go to that class, now I'm now I'm kind of out of my comfort zone. Now I'm yeah. like, okay, I have to now 
adjust to them because they all know takedowns and they all know how to stuff the takedown. So now I have to figure out going for them. Usually if we're playing, um, you know, a lot of times those classes are full. So when it's time to um, do sparring, we tend to do um, King of the Hill just for takedowns though. Yeah. Oh yeah. I love it. Um, And a lot of those guys, what I do until they figure it out, (laughs) once they get to the third round, they figure out, Oh, he's just going for um, inside trips. That's all. Then they're like, okay, (laughs) we know how to beat this guy. And so, but but that's what I like though, because now that they know, okay, I'm going for the inside trip. It's like, okay, well, now I have to adjust. Neither I have to, you know, again go for a single, or you know, I can try for for um a double leg, but a lot of times, you know, these dudes already know. So it's like, okay, how do I, you know, trick them with the the trip and then try to get that, or you know, again, change the level, get down low, get the ankle. Pick. Yeah. So. Uh, but that no-gi class has always been a fun one for me just because, again, those those guys, lots of young guys, lots of lots of energy. And, and you know, there's always the joke that, you know, we, we you know, put on um, Instagram about white belts, you know, like be quiet, white belt. Like, but in reality, a lot of these kids are white belts and, and I'm learning so much from them, you know, when I'm in yeah. there because – you know, they, they have grappling experience just, you know, from a different point of view. So if I can't get them, you know, then it's like, okay, well, let's talk after class, you know, let's drill after class. So it, it's all about getting better and working together. And, and, you know, even though you're on the mat in competition by yourself, physically out there, you still work as a team. You know? Yeah, it's, it's interesting the way our sport is, is wired up. Yes. So definitely love that. Um, so you mentioned uh, like King of the Hill for takedowns. Um, anytime you can gamify an aspect of jujitsu or uh, really of anything, um, you tend to get much stronger uh, fundamentals from that. Uh, mm-hmm. Being able to take it out of context of a grappling match and, and do, you know, uh, who cares, you know, first takedown wins and then, you know, you come back and try and try again and that's stop, start, stop, start. It's great. Uh, I'm going to plug a product here that I'm not affiliated with in any way. Um, it's something that showed up at our gym one day and it was awesome. Um, I did talk to this guy that that owns it at one point um, about getting some free ones as kind of a, like a mini sponsorship uh, and it never came to fruition, but the product is still incredible. Uh, it's called Attack Bands. Um, A-T-T-A-C-K-B-A-N-D-Z. Uh, the guy, and I'm blanking on his name right now because I haven't um, talked to him in a couple years, but he was a wrestler um, and then his kids got into wrestling and he was trying to teach his kids um, how to really get in and like, you know, penetrate on a shot, how to get, get to those ankles and everything. And there's not much to it. I mean, simple. It's like a little Velcro strap, kind of like a capture the flag football strap that goes around your ankles uh, and you can you can buy multiple ones you can put around your wrist or whatever but you can play all these mini games with it of basically uh you know first person to to strip it off the ankle wins and it's incredible how quickly you start to pay attention to what your legs are doing um 
So I got really good at defending ankle picks because of these things. Uh, we would play them in class once a week or something, and it just became muscle memory. Somebody would, would reach for these bands, and I would immediately sprawl, and I'd immediately like get out of the way, or I would tuck it. You know, so if you're playing leg lock games, you know it teaches you how they start reaching for that leg. How do you get it and and make it safe? At the same time, how can you also be safe while attacking them? And it was just really helpful for getting those fundamental motions of takedowns and also, you know, opening up some leg attacks. So if you get the chance, uh, you know, I recommend we've got them in the gym. We love to play with them and it, you can tell immediately rolling with someone afterwards that they've been drilling with them. Yeah. I'm looking at them here. I, th I think, I think I'm look. I typed in attack bands and I uh, came up uh, MMA wrestling. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I like these. I might actually get a set. Uh, talk to my coach on um, Saturday. It's like, look, man, like, can we implement these somehow, some way? Even, even you know, in the open mat after class, because um, like I, I agree. Yeah, it it will force you to kind of pay attention to your footwork, you know, things like that. So yeah, it's so much fun. And the same thing, you know, once once they strip away from whatever position you just restart, you know, it's like a king of the hill that you get to stay in the whole time. Yeah. Um, and you learn about wrapping up, you know, the single leg, the double leg, if you have them on both your ankles, it's really fun. Or, you know, we usually didn't have enough for everyone to have two. So we just pick an ankle and that would be our, you know, our, our back ankle and our stance and everything. And we learn how to, to keep it that away, but it's really fun. If you have it on both ankles it really changes the game. Yeah, we used to have a, a lot of different games that we had for the kids' class. Um, you know, just you know, little little games like uh, what do we go? Uh, is it sharks and minnows? You know, where you have like you know two two or three kids in the middle, and then like all the other kids have to get from one end to the other, and those three have to pick someone for the takedown. Uh, but we only did like crawling <laughs> because I think we learned <laughs> once we let the kids run. They got speared. <laughs> yeah. So that that was the I think that was maybe my third time. Um, like kind of head in the class. Like coach was like, all right, coach Dante, you know, pick the games. And I only knew two games. And that was that was the easier of of the the two. It was like, okay, let's do you know sharks and minnows. And I forgot to say, you know, from crawling, like you know, baby crawl or you know, just the two knee crawl. Um, and then we or the bear crawl. And I kind of feel like the kids kind of set me up because they were, <laughs> these were the older kids. You know, they're like, you know, the, the eight year old, 10 year old kids. They knew the rules. They know the rules. So when it was go time, they're like, you know, and, you know, you see a couple of them kind of hesitant, hesitantly standing up like, OK, you know, you know yeah. I say go. You just see them like full steam ahead going <laughs> just yeah spear like in the walls oh. you got kids like like cross checking against the wall i was like oh no <laughs> what have i done <laughs> you know and you know like, i'm already like nervous in front of the parents because they're sitting there they can see it all so i was like okay everybody stop <laughs> bear crawling baby crawl that like we're not running across this gym and it turned out to be great. Um, but it was always good for, you know, for them to 
work on getting them down and then you know basically getting them to side control just getting them to their back yeah um so I always enjoy having the kids play games like that uh sumo you can always have them do sumo in the middle of the uh you know that's take a great some belts and, and drape around make a little uh platform for them so and it's funny because like with as adults we we don't have a whole lot of that we you know we don't have a lot of games but that was one thing that um, my one coach, he always would, would do that. It's like, all right, let's do some King of the Hill, whether it be takedowns or whether it be sweeps. You know, you get somebody starting down. Um, and, you know, basically the person coming in, you're working on guard passing. The person on the bottom, you're working on um, get, getting to guard and getting a sweep or maybe don't even get them to guard. Just get a sweep from where you are. Um, sometimes he, he would forget to say because uh, – his rule was, you know, the stand-up rule is, is in effect. So you can't stand up. You have to work from the ground. But if you didn't call in, if you didn't call for uh, the stand-up rule, basically if you stood up and the other person didn't, didn't uh, keep you down, that's automatic. So I would always take advantage of that. I listened like very closely. Yeah. Oh, he didn't say anything about the stand-up rule. As soon as the person comes over, slap hands, and I stand right up. I was like, all right, go. <laughs> and then the next person, they've already seen it, so they know now. Just get Dante's ankles, pin his pin his feet to the floor. It's like okay, but then that's good. I mean, that's that's the whole point yeah. of the game, right? Like to to be aware that your opponent can do sneaky things at any time, and like how can you plan ahead? Um, I've heard it so many times that you know a black belt, oh, they they think ten moves ahead or something like that, and I've never really believed that they're thinking ten moves ahead. Um, and the closer I get to black belt, the, the more firm I am in that conviction. It's not planning 10 moves ahead. It's shutting down your options. You know, it just, if you have 10 options, they're shutting down 10 options before you can use them. That's not thinking ahead. That's thinking about right now and knowing what, what could happen in those situations, you know, shutting those doors before you can use them. Um, is one of like the most important skills. So I, you know, that's, that's an incredible game and it's good that you're listening to the rules and you can teach and learn so much from stuff like that, you know, just what can they do to keep you from just standing up? That's important. That's a great lesson. And you don't have to be in a game to be able to use that. That's what we we're talking about earlier, you know, wrestling up in those situations, somebody starts to start building up a base, you know, they start getting up to their knees or getting the combat base, start climbing up. That's when you'll see me change levels and try to just bring them back down. You know, I'm not waiting for them to get that dominant position. And it's those little games like that that can be so powerful in building that muscle memory and that that philosophy. Yeah, that's um, one thing that Gordon Ryan talked about. I want to say it was on Joe Rogan. I mean, it, in some interview, I believe it was that, though, where he was talking about he's not the most athletic guy but what he does is if you're athletic he takes that away from you so yeah. that kind of plays into that it's like you know that you know the whole idea of thinking 10 steps ahead well maybe it's not thinking 10 steps ahead as much as it's like okay well what's this guy weapon okay he's fast how do i take his speed away from him you know you know this person's uh you know they have a good leg lock game Okay, well, I got to take that away from him. Like GSP was good at that when, when he was fighting. It's like if you're a wrestler, okay, well, I'm gonna make you stand up. 
oh, you're a striker? Well, I'm going to make you wrestle. Um, and then, then there's John Jones who just says, oh, you like to strike? I like to strike too. You like to <laughs> wrestle? Okay, I want to do that too. Oh, you like Muay Thai? I'm not good at that, but I'm about to be. Yeah. And it's like, okay. But I, I like the Gordon Ryan approach more, just like take it away from them. If you know they well, like to argue results. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, there, there's so many people that are quick to hate on Gordon Ryan. I don't particularly care about his social media in terms of, you know, the nonsense that he, he talks. Um, just when he's trash talking, I'm, I'm not really a big trash talker, but you know, when you, when you see his game though, it's like the dude is undeniable and it's just undeniable. like, and the deniers, they have no idea they're, they're getting their opinions clouded by his social media. Yes. Yes. And, and I will admit at one point I was there, but it, it wasn't so much that I was denying his game. It was just like, it was more of like, Oh God, like. I'm, I'm sick of this dude, but it was like, okay, I'm sick of like hearing him talk, talk shit, but I love watching him grapple. And then the thing is because he's so undeniable, it's like, you can't help but watch. It's like, how, like, how's he going to win the next match? You know, you know, what's he going to do? Like, I think there are a few matches where he would, you know, put in the envelope how he was going to win the match. His most recent one he did, um, which one of the most cringe, uh, I don't know, promotions I've ever seen. Um, but he called his his armbar uh, over his win against Regis uh, Fight. Mm. Gordon Ryan is just absolutely incredible. Um, the one, well, the one, I guess there's two things that I, if I could, I would change about him. Uh, one is just his social media presence. I think he has the potential to be top level, but I think he, I think he has a huge following despite his social media, not because of it. Uh, yeah. I think he'd be actually much stronger if he would just modify his strategy on social media a little bit. Um, but two, I would love to see him take some shorter format rounds. He is, he's the master of the no time limit match. And he's able to just completely wear down his opponents um, over, you know, 15, 20 minutes, which is a great skill. But I would love to see him do some, you know, five or 10 minute matches to see what he can do when there's more, uh, more pressure. You know, if he doesn't have time enough to really grind down his opponent um, and he has to be more athletic in the beginning, I would, I would just love to see him step out of his comfort zone for some of that kind of action. Well, that's, you know, kind of a thing I think about, too, with him is, um, like him saying that he's not the best athlete, but it's like, in a lot of ways, it's like, you don't necessarily have to be the best athlete, and he's shown that, you don't have to be the best athlete, but it's like, he can outlast, like, he, he can, you know, frustrate you, he can wear you down, and, and you know, that, that's part of the game, too, but it's like, you know, if you have a, a change of pace, if you have the shorter rounds, you know, what are you doing there? And I'm sure he, he he's a smart enough guy, you know, there'd be some sort of game planning for, you know, for the shorter round where it's more of a, you know, be first, get there first, you know, get to the move and, and you know, finish this off quickly. Um, it, it would still be interesting to see, though, 
Uh, I was just yeah. looking at his his record here, and just you know, as I'm like scrolling through, it's like, geez, Louise, like this dude is just it. It is like you know, uh, the the will of fortune or not will of fortune, but uh, the price is right will. As I just rolled, it's just win after win after win after win. It's like, okay, we're, we're like like where's the last loss dude <laughs> it has been a minute but you know it, it's fascinating just you know seeing this guy grapple just you know even you know watching instructionals just there, there's a presence about him where you don't get that social media arrogance from like all the other things that you see him in it's just it seems like a really really nice guy uh, um what's the um I can't remember the podcast now. Um, the Jiu-Jitsu Happy Hour. Uh, Stephanie okay. and Michelle. Um, uh, for BJJ for the Culture and um, Baby Assassin on Instagram. Um, I, I believe one of them said, you know, they, they had been out to dinner with him and his girlfriend. And I think it was like a group thing. And they said he was like really, really sweet. Just like the nicest guy. And it's like it's always weird when you have that like Kobe Covington you know it, it it seems like the same thing everyone says like he's like the nicest guy but then you see the on-screen personas or the social media personas and it's like it, it's off-putting so I don't know that I, I yeah if I had to say if I were his publicist I'd be like hey man you know you don't have to always talk trash on on the interwebs you you can actually just let your winning do the talking for you but i guess to some logic you know that's how people make money though too it's like if you're talking trash people are paying attention but i feel like people would pay attention to him even if he weren't yeah i don't you just never really know what's going on behind the scenes um and it's not just in in grappling but like every sport you know you 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 have two fighters that start, you know, mouthing back and forth and talking trash about each other, their families or whatever. And then after the fight, they hug in the octagon or on the mat or whatever. And it's like, okay, so this was, maybe they said some really upsetting things, uh, maybe some hurtful things, but in the end, it was a show that they're putting on. So yeah. you never really know. Um, you know, Gordon has, has talked at, at length about how, he wants to fight and how he, you know, he's willing to put up the contracts for all these people and they, they keep turning him down or, you know, not responding. And then you hear some other sides of the story that say, well, he only wants like a no limit match. And he, you know, has these very strict things that he wants in the contract. And it's like, he's not willing to budge on those. Um, it's all rumor. You never really know, but you know, are people afraid to fight him or they're just not willing to fight the way that he specifically wants to. Yeah. That that's, I think that's where it does get a little, little weird. And I don't know, like, however it goes, though. I mean, it, it's still fascinating, you know, to see him even within within his own set rule set. It'd be like you said, it'd be nice to see a different format, though. You know, let's see the shorter time limits. I mean, hell, let's see him in the gear. And I know a lot of people have the thing about. Well, the gear is born, the gear is slow, and da da da. It's like there, there's some exciting, you know, there are fighters that can make a gi match really exciting. Uh, Lelandro Low, you know, watching his gi matches, exciting. Hadra Gracie, exciting. You know, it's like 
you know, it's not all universally slow matches or boring matches. Um, it's like my science teacher once said to me, not to me, but to the class, you know, like with science, there's a lot going on. And if you're in the know of what's going on and you're passionate about it, it's interesting. You know, he used pro wrestling as an example. He's like, there's a lot going on in the match that, you know, if you're not a fan of it, you just see people running around and fake hitting each other. But if you're, you know, if you're dialed in, you can see like the cues where they're, they're not necessarily talking to each other, but there are certain taps that they do to each other to let them know, hey, you're going to take the DDT or, hey, the suplex, you're going to block the suplex. Or, you know, if they are hurt, you know, there's, you know, the ref comes over and grab their hand. And if they squeeze the hand twice, yeah. you know, you know, you see the refs, you know, put up the, the X, you know, <laughs> hey, this dude's really hurt. You know, so it's like if you're in the know for things and I, I think of that with jujitsu, too. You know, as, as like I watch jujitsu on Fight Pass or just on YouTube, period. And, you know, my wife, she'll sit there and watch it. And she's like, she's trying to be interested. She's trying. <laughs> she's just like, okay, I don't know what's going on. It's like, okay, well, like right here is kind of a tough angle because right now, you know, he's got his back and like he's kind of folded over. And it's like, yeah, I'm just going to go read my book. Like, okay, <laughs> thanks for trying, though. You tried. Um, I'll watch the Hallmark channel with you next week. Yeah, I'll try. Um, so I used to have uh, a coach when I was training out of Little Rock, um, Coach Billy Robinson. Um, he, he since passed away, um, but what an incredible story. He was a, um, he fought at the Snake Pit, um, you know, catch his catch can wrestling in London. Um, when he came up, yeah, you know, he, he trained with incredible people. He trained all over the world. He was a legend in his own right. And I just got lucky enough that he was, you know, in the sunset years, a volunteer coach for catch wrestling at Westside MMA in Little Rock. Um, and God, such a, such an interesting person. Um, and he, he wrote a book or had a book, I guess somebody wrote a book for him um called physical chess and after he passed away and i'm I, you know i kick myself for not buying this book while he was alive and getting it signed by him but uh physical chess he talks about his experience in the snake pit of this um this incredible catch wrestling sport and and i don't know if you really had much dealing with catch wrestling but the philosophy like the fundamentals what used to happen you would have these folk wrestlers these people whose job was to wrestle and they would travel from town to town, both in the Americas and in, in England specifically. And they would show up in the town and they basically throw a hat on the ground and they would wrestle any and every person that would put money in the hat and the winner take all. And, uh, you know, it was in the best interest to be able to beat somebody efficiently so you could have as many fights as possible. And if, if you're a 170 pound, person and you know the 230 pound farmer shows up you want to be able to to beat them every bit as quick as you know whoever so they have a lot of interesting um submissions they have a lot of very in interesting positions um but what i didn't know uh when i when i read his book was kind of the history of modern wrestling like the 
WWE, you know, formerly WWF, like how that came to be such a like a show sport instead of a like a real physical contest. And in the book, he mentioned, you know, he kind of pulls the curtain back a little bit, and he talks about how uh, you would have these matches between two high-level catch wrestlers where the risk of injury was incredibly high, and it was the only livelihood. You know, if you blow your knee out, then um, you probably wouldn't be able to feed your family or something. So yeah, you'd have two two high level catch wrestlers um, that wanted to compete, and the act of competition. I mean, some of their their holds were absolutely brutal, and the risk of injury was so high, and the consequence of injury could be starvation for you know your family. It's not like if you blew your knee out in the you know 1910s that you would be able to feed your family you know there wasn't like a lot of extra work going around or whatever so anyway they um developed a system where they would take these two wrestlers and they would go basically into a room with the referee and it'd be just them and they would wrestle and they would figure out who the winner was um in an, in an honest and very physical match and then afterwards whoever won that would be the winner when they would go on tour to all these other villages or something. So they would, whatever their round was, they would try to remember what all the moves were and they would duplicate it. So when they would travel from town to town, they would do all of the same moves, but in a much safer and more controlled situation so that everyone could experience these high level rounds without the warriors themselves being, you know, injured. And at some point later, they may have like a different round and redo it. And that sort of showmanship with the wrestling is what carried over into what we now see is, you know, oh, wrestling is fake. It is, but th that fake wrestling has a very interesting root, you know, and I just, um, when you were talking about it, it just reminded me, most people don't know that little piece of history. Yeah, that I've always been a fan of uh, pro wrestling and just kind of growing up with it through the 80s, 90s some of the 2000s i i think there was a point in the 2000s that kind of grew out of it a little bit i guess i would say i think a lot of guys say they grow out of it but i think what it is that it, the the show changes so like i don't recognize these names i'm growing out of this but yeah. what it is is just you know you don't recognize what's going on but um I, i've started watching more now i think because it's on uh, the Peacock app, and I think it's coming to HBO Max, uh, stuff like that. But there was an interesting thing that came about. I want to say I was listening to a documentary, and someone had pointed out that, you know, they kept calling them stunts. And, you know, you see the ladder matches and, you know, just like guys jumping off high platforms into tables. And I started thinking about them now as stunt people. And it's changed the way that I watch this now, you know, versus thinking like, you know, because I don't know when it clicked in my head that it was it was fake. Um, as a kid, you know, you watch and I think there was one day uh, Bobby Eaton showed up to a, to a program and he just got jumped. He just got attacked, but there were no bruises on him. <laughs> Remember, the thing is like, you just got beat up last week, dude. Where are your bruises? Yeah, and sure. I had to have been like twelve, maybe, yeah, around that age, twelve or thirteen. I was like, wait a minute, and there was still this part of me in my heart where I wanted it to be real, but it's like, you know what? 
it's entertaining. But now thinking of them as stunt people, stunt performers, it's like, okay, this is a whole lot more entertaining now because I'm always interested in seeing, you know, the crazy stunts and, and, and seeing them being done safely. Yeah. That that's the key. Um, when Logan Paul did a stunt, uh, he did a move at WrestleMania, he and uh, uh, Ricochet, they jumped from the ropes, like they're on opposite <laughs> sides of the ring and jumped from the rope and like collided in the middle. And you know, that you, you can't rehearse that. So that was, yeah. we, we got to get it right. We have to get it right. And you know, when you see things like that, there's a new respect for me, at least I, I'm like, dude, you know, and, and, you know, when people, you know, I think people get the idea of athleticism mixed up with, you know, sport and, and how a sport goes, you know, poker is a sport. I wouldn't necessarily say most of those poker players at the World Series of Poker athletic. Um, Phil Hellmuth, probably not the most athletic guy. Uh, Daniel Nagano, uh, he's a little wiry. He, he might, yeah. he might be. He Same might thing be. with like esports. I mean, Dota and yeah. StarCraft and yeah. Call of Duty. Hell, there's there's a ton of sports out there where you don't have to be able to do a thousand push-ups. You know, you have to be able to just be really good at the skill set. Yes. You know, now, you know, you jump over to the, you know, pro wrestling platform. It's like these guys are definitely athletic. You know, they're athletes. And, I, you know, I've had friends argue with me like, well, no, they're not athletes. I was like, well, they're, they're very much athletes. You know, they're athletic, you know. Um, you know, is what they're doing a sport in the traditional sense of like competition? I mean, maybe not by Vegas standards. You know, you can't place bets on them. But, um you know, it, it, I feel like, you know, respect should still be kind of paid to these folks who go out there and they put, put themselves on the line. Uh, I mean, you know, unfortunately, in front you know, of a big uh, ass live sta stadium, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and the thing is too, they're unforgiving. If you mess up, the crowd will chant, you fucked up yeah. <laughs> very loudly. And you don't hear it so much anymore. Cause I think they've gotten it a lot more fine-tuned but i remember i want to say um early 2000s maybe mid 2000s you'd see a, a a spot get messed up and unfortunately it was during the women's matches because at the time women's wrestling was not where it is now where like you see a lot of these young ladies and they are like super athletes you know you got power lifters in there like just doing these amazing things you got rick flair's daughter who's a giant of a human doing backflips off the rope. And it's like, I didn't know tall people could do that. I thought that was only Brazil. You know, top fighter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Her and uh Shayna Shayna Baszler, you know, both former MMA, you know, fighters out there, you know, and you know, the game where it was back then, you know, women were just, you know. They were just there mostly for eye candy but then when he started kind of putting them in the ring to let them like all right we're gonna have some matches and you know there were some mess ups and the crowd would always kind of ridicule them i was like dude like yeah cut them some slack i don't think they were really expecting to be out there in the ring like they thought they were just going to be there like being a valet and walking rick flair down to the ring and now they're jumping off the top rope and you know missing their spot and the crowd's chanting, you fucked up. So, 
you know, pro wrestlers, my hat goes off to them. We went to uh, Maryland Championship Wrestling uh, over the summer, and that was an event. It was fun. It was. It was. <laughs> like, the crowd got involved. Like, kids were handing wrestlers chairs. It's like, here, hit them with this. So, um, one of our uh, former teammates, former coaches, is actually one of the uh, wrestlers there at Maryland Championship Wrestling. So, it, it, it's just when you see them performing like that, I, I think anyone at, you know, performing at any high level, no matter what it is, whether it be chess, whether it be football, pro wrestling, jujitsu, judo, I, I just think the dedication it takes to get to that level is admirable. And, you know, just people who talk trash about, you know, these top athletes and top performers. It's like, look, man, half you cats don't know, you wouldn't even know the tiniest bit of what it takes to get to where they are. And you got the audacity. Yeah. The sacrifices they've made for their family, for their personal income, I mean, to rise to the top of the ranks, it's yeah. every bit as difficult as, you know, being an actor, actress in Hollywood, you know, like, these people are living out of their cars. Look at Daisy Fresh. Uh, yeah. You know, if you've seen that on Flow, uh, these top top athletes are literally living in the gym or out of their cars and putting every single scrap of everything they have into this one plan. And, you know, they make it to the top and you're like, oh, whatever. But you just don't realize that every second of every day that they're awake, they're thinking about this. You know, if they're not taking care of their specific personal needs at that moment, they're thinking about what they could be doing to be the best. And most people have no idea what that's like, cannot comprehend. Yeah. I mean, I can even, you know, say from my own side of it, you know, just trying to be good at like a single like sweep. The work it takes just to be considered like okay at it is so much now imagine you know someone who can do so much you know gordon ryan you know you know nikki rod you know um you know henzo hodger in any of the greats well, like, shit, you just just saw mikey musumechi oh yeah eat aoki with an aoki lock like that doesn't happen on accident yeah. like the That's intense work. dedication that he had to come out and do something like that, like people will never understand that level of commitment that he has. And his yeah. his training regimen is insane. I mean, absolutely insane. He doesn't eat until like after dark. Like it, that's his first meal of the day. Yeah. I like I wish I had his kind of discipline. And maybe it's it's possible. It's just you gotta dial in and that dude you know, he's dialed in. He, and, and he also has a plan. He understands what he needs to do, you know, to get where he needs to be. Um, my buddy was over um, one night and one championship was on and Mikey was competing and we paused the podcast. I was like, Hey, stop, stop, stop. I got to watch this guy grapple. And of course, this is me who, who loves jujitsu and I'm watching it. I've got, my buddy and his girlfriend who they are clueless as to what jujitsu is. 
and they're sitting there watching and um i can't i can't remember who who was against but he had the heel hook and uh he the, the like the knee was just shredded but oh yeah who i can't remember who he grappled against but they, that fighter is done forever there's no chance of him ever yeah. coming back every ligament in his knee destroyed from it was a mikey lock yeah yeah and you know he even you know mikey said you know in in the interview afterwards like yeah i can hear his leg ripping like paper like yeah like it and he wouldn't tap and you know even with that that takes a level of um just insanity for one but also just dedication to like look i'm not tapping now no again i'm 45 i, I can't be committed <laughs> to that like you get me in a competition and and, and you get like if you're going for a choke sure i'm going to try to work my way out of it because the worst that happens is i go to sleep you know it's probably not the best for the brain but you know I, I, that should be okay but if if you shatter my arm or shatter my shoulder on the kimura i'm not that committed like yeah. I, I can't work the next day so um but it, it's just you know you get guys at that level you know, you look at MMA fighters, it's just like what they put into it. And, and, you know, even, you know, not even, you know, at the championship level either, that's just to get on the stage. Just to get on the know. stage. So it, it, it's, it's incredible. And, you know, thinking about it at times, I'm like, you know, there's always that, that though, man, I wish I would have started when I was younger. Like, eh, I mean, but would it have been any different for me? You know, that's a big question. Like, yeah. Like I, 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 you know, I think back to my discipline as a kid. You know, as a twenty-year-old, twenty, twenty-two-year-old. It's like, uh, what when McDonald's would have the the twenty-nine cent hamburgers, thirty-nine cent cheeseburger. Hmm. I was like, oh, I can buy twenty of these, and I'm going to, and. <laughs> You know, well, the limit is 10, they told me. So I, I bought 10, then went inside and bought 10 more. But, <laughs> you, you know, the, the thing is. Checkers. It's like. <laughs> nope, chess. <laughs> yeah, they, they thought they stopped me. Uh -huh. I was like, can I get 20 cheeseburgers? Like, I saw the young lady turn around. She was like, yeah, the limit's 10. Now I had a friend. I was like, Katie, go inside and order 10 more. And hey, make sure you watch them so they don't spit on our food. Um. <laughs> Because I was worried that was, for a cop. That that was a. <laughs> 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 it's for a cop. Like, I know that code. <laughs> like, watch them. Um, it, it was a questionable McDonald's, so I I just never felt comfortable. But but the thing is, me at that age, I was just that guy that I could eat like that, and that would still work out. And 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 you know play sports you know but the question is okay if i found jiu-jitsu when i was 22 knowing that i could get away with eating like a slob and and i worked out hard you know i, I, I you know I, I you know was active every day but it's like with my discipline like you know if if i worked hard from 22 up to this point sure i'd be some but would i've worked hard knowing that I could get away with not working hard. So whenever I think, man, I wish I would have found jujitsu earlier, I don't think it would have made a difference for me. 
yeah i think i found jiu-jitsu at the absolute right time for for me i'm more jealous of the kids that are finding jiu-jitsu now um mm -hmm. because if i would have found it you know let's say there was wrestling in my high school i think there actually is now but there wasn't at the time but knowing my personality type if i would have found jiu-jitsu before college like it would have changed my trajectory like i would have just done that all day every day and and could have been a world champion potentially you know if things went well and if i had the right coaching staff whatever but uh you just you can't make any money in the sport unless you're you know a, a very it really a, some gym owners do okay but really you have to be more like you know start your own team and be able to franchise it um so like the people that made it to the top when i was just getting started never really were able to get off their feet and take it you know it's not until we mentioned gordon ryan you know like dana her death squad like those guys that are really making decent money off instructionals that wasn't an avenue like that wasn't revenue stream uh back then and it's still not a revenue stream for everyone but at least it's an option for a few people um but i think the kids that are finding it now may have like real opportunities to go on to do professional grappling you know in the same way that a professional boxer like you can make a living as a boxer now that the top level guys are multimillionaires, you know and even just the, the okay ones are still making thirty forty thousand dollars you know on a purse and there's no reason why grappling can't be there at some point you know i think with grappling it's starting to get recognition i mean more and more people are aware of grappling more and more people are, are starting to train it is still one of those things where i think a lot of people get into it and they get out of it just because it's it's you know it, it's hard grappling is not easy well i mean baseball is the same way people start playing baseball and get out of it but they still show up at the stadiums every week yeah Ooh. But I think with baseball, though, too, that's, you know, an old, old, old sport that even playing as a kid, you know, is always, you know, a fun thing to play, you know, basketball, football, baseball, even tennis, you know, and those are things that translated to like, okay, well, I can go and watch these things now, too, because, you know, you attach to personalities, and you know, as we know, growing up, lots of personalities to attach to Yeah. right now, too, we're getting the personalities, I, I think yeah, it's now, finally getting some some show value, production value. I think now it's the ideal of getting the people to really, you know, it's like, again, you can get kids that are going to try jujitsu. But will they care about jujitsu on a spectator level? I mean, I think most of the people I train with, the competitors care about it on a spectator level. If, if you're not competing, most of the guys, they, they watch MMA. But, you know, jiu-jitsu isn't necessarily something. Even when I started, I remember we had gone out to see a teammate um, fight an amateur MMA fight. And then we went back to another teammate's house afterward. And he turns on UFC Fight Pass and he's like, all right, uh, let's pick a fighter and let's watch the catalog. And me at the time, I was like balls deep into jujitsu. And I was like, let's watch Damian Maya. Mm -hmm. And they're like, 
let's not <laughs> like, like like no absolutely not we're not watching a jujitsu guy that guy's born it's like and to me i'm like he's fascinating like you know let, let's watch him we you know can learn so much like nah <laughs> let's let's watch anderson silva instead i was like okay that that's fair you can do that too like it's all the same but you know and this, this was i want to say six years seven years ago you know and and I feel like, you know, these are guys who have been doing jiu-jitsu and Muay Thai for quite a while already. So it's like even they weren't really interested in, in the spectator aspect of any kind of like grappling. And I don't know how we get there, but I think we're working in the right direction. So it's like just give it time because, you know, I, I think maybe right now – it's really a matter of access. You know, YouTube is a thing and people, you know, utilize YouTube greatly. Um, one championship is doing a great job putting on their jiu-jitsu matches. UFC Fight Pass, you know, is another good outlet. Um, Flow. I, I, I have my my um, battles with Flow. So I, I tend to just wait and watch it on YouTube. But you know, th there are outlets now. It's just a matter of how do we make it more mainstream for these outlets? Because again, a kid who's training may not even grasp the idea of like now watching it on a spectator level. At least I don't know, but I do think kids today are in such a great spot coming into the sport because the stuff that the kids are learning in our gym, like, like the, they're learning like stuff that our blue belts were learning years ago. You know, our blue belts were yeah. learning these things. Like kids are coming in the door. This is what they're learning. And it's only going to get better. Yeah. And I think if, so if I were an investor, right. And if every sport right now was a company that I could put money into, uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu would be the unicorn. You know what I mean? It would be the one where you can just really multiply your money because Look at like ADCC highlights from 12 years ago. They look like they were recorded on like a VHS camera, like a handheld. It's terrible quality. Um, and even like the rounds, obviously you have some of the, you know, like Hoffman is like everything he does is just incredible. Um, but a lot of the high level rounds, you're like, man, what were they doing back then? And it wasn't that long ago. And you look at the, the super high level like ADCC matches today and it, it looks like very professionally done you know they have lighting they have sound they have incredible cameras um the level of jujitsu is just blows that away you know like any bronze medalist from today could be you know most gold medalists from back then with a few noticeable um, you know exceptions but um with how far the sport has come uh, in terms of production value, along with, you know, us finally finding some rule sets that make sense from a spectator point of view. Like, I don't think we're ever going to see a high level gi match top, you know, like EOC card. It's just not, but like the no gi stuff is so much more exciting. And with the right rule sets, any casual observer can have a great time watching it. And I think people are starting to become aware of that. And, so you, you have one like 
people dumping a ton of money into finding just what is entertaining about jujitsu and really like stressing it. And then you have also um, all these celebrities that are starting to get involved in jujitsu. And you see every now and again an Instagram post where somebody you didn't expect got, you know, their blue belt or whatever, like Russell Brand or like Ashton Kutcher, or Demi Lovato, and, you know, all these uh, people that you see um, that are just, you know, gently spreading the word of jujitsu. And then you see somebody like um, Mark Zuckerberg, who is inviting Mikey Musumeci out to his boat to grapple and, you know, and all these other UFC fighters. And just like, it's, it's incredible the radars that it's on now. And there's still so much untapped potential in it. Uh, yeah. if, if I were an investor and I could invest in it, like that's what I would do. And that's what, you know, I've been doing. That's, something i love and wow it's incredible watching it grow to where it is now and in the next 10 years get ready it's going to be very very exciting to see the sport that's something i think about when we go back to the ufc when the uh uh, uh got involved you know they had a bunch of money they dumped it and they were losing money you know, they knew. I think that, yeah, it, yeah, it was like, it's only a matter of time. And I, I feel like part of the issue too is like, you know, people are kind of, you know, it's like no one wants to take the risk. People want the sure guaranteed money. I mean, UFC just sold for a bunch of billions. The WWE just sold for a bunch of billions. So these are things that they know, oh, I'm going to put money to this. I know I'm going to make money back out of it. It's like, okay, well, I mean, jiu-jitsu can be that same thing. You just have to be patient with it. But I guess these days, patience is kind of a, a rarity in some cases. But I agree. In the next 10 years, you know, you know, th- this sport is going to be moving so much faster and it's going to really take off. I mean, it's already kind of taken off. I mean, you know, there's traction. It's just a matter of it, you know, really going you know, you got, again, those personalities, the big personality, obviously, is Gordon Ryan. I mean, you got, you know, uh, Danielle Kelly, who, you know, she goes out there and she grapples and, you know, she's on the one cars, Mikey Musumeshi, you know, you know, the these athletes who are really, really dedicated and, you know, they, they, they have, you know, maybe not like the grandest personalities, but I think that's what helps jujitsu a little bit too. Is you have these these individuals that are kind of unassuming, you know. Yeah. Look at Gordon Ryan; he's two hundred forty pounds. That's a big fella. <laughs> he was like, I see him. I was like, yeah, he he would probably he would probably beat beat the shit out of me. But then I look at someone like Mikey Mushimeshi, and it's like, oh, that's a little fella. And then you see his yeah. work, like, oh my god, <laughs> like teach me your ways. You know, you see someone like Daniel Kelly, like this little this, this little girl. I was like, this little lady. Like, oh my lord, teach me your ways. And you know, that that's just kind of how it goes, though. And as this sport continues to grow, and as we get the younger uh generations coming up and growing, you know, we got a lot of kids, hell, here in in our area, just you know, I got a message from my buddy who hosts Nerd Rage Radio. He was like, Hey. Uh, one of the guys that he works with, he goes, can you put up this video of, of their kids? They train at 
this gym. I was like, that gym is around the corner from me. And I'm looking at the video. I was like, oh, their kid just went down to Brazil and won a gold medal. That is fucking crazy. It's like, That's okay, awesome. I'm going to definitely put this up. And even though it is kind of a competition, you know, as a competitor to us, but it's like, you know what? I don't care. It's jujitsu. I want to yeah. spread that word. And it is funny because it's like my coaches don't make a big deal about it, but it's kind of like just one of those like old things in my mind. I was like, hmm, here's a competitor. I should be promoting you. But it's like, I'm not promoting you. I'm promoting jujitsu. I want everyone to win. I want jujitsu to win. And, you know, just, you know, seeing those kids doing well and then, you know, now seeing more content from that gym actually popping up on my feed and seeing all of the kids doing well. It's like, dude, the future is now. So this is this is completely on topic, but it's going to sound like it's not. Um, in in a previous life, I worked as a, a product development engineer for a furniture company. Uh, the company I worked for uh, specialized in bar stools, and we would go to these showrooms in China, Vietnam, wherever, and we would just see these samples, and we could you know bring them in, you know if we thought we could sell them or not. And they would have just row after row after row of bar stools, and some of them would be just the most hideous thing you've ever seen. Um, and we, we we developed this this phrase about it, and it's like, well, there's an ass for every bar stool. Like no matter what the bar stool is, if you brought in a hundred of them here in the United States, you could sell a hundred of them. There's there's an ass for every bar stool, no matter how ugly that bar stool is. Somebody is gonna sit in it, and I think that that sort of applies to jujitsu as well. Um, I think there's if if two gyms open side by side next to each other by by rivals or even just perceived rivals, uh, they're not necessarily competing with each other. You know, each one's going to have a certain flair, and when someone walks into one or walks into the other, they're going to feel like this is home. And they're not going to feel that way about the other one. You know, there's there's definitely like a vibe when you walk into a gym. Uh, that's why I think a 10th planet can exist next to an alliance and they're both going to succeed and do well because they're just a different philosophy, a different vibe, a different whatever that you feel home. And I think that opening multiple gyms in an area, you're not creating a strain on the supply of people that want to do jujitsu. Like you're not, you're actually opening the doors for people that otherwise wouldn't have trained at your gym anyway. You know, occasionally we get somebody that hops from gym to gym or whatever, but like your bottom line, your your student, um, you know, your book is not really going to be very different, even if a competitor opens up near you, because there's not that there's not the Walmart of grappling yet. You know, everyone's still opening up their gyms in the little mini malls or whatever, and it's just there's plenty and plenty of mass space available, and even the smallest town to fill that gym up. And I don't think that there's competition. I think the more people that get involved, the more people that talk about it, the more, more people that talk about it, the more likely it is that somebody decides to walk in the gym for the first time. You know, I, I think it's an incredible thing. Um, and a lot of people can't see past their own fears and anxieties about not getting the students that they need. But listen, if you are a hardworking professor, if you, you know, open your gym, you're going to get people in the door. And you're going to keep people by providing the atmosphere for the clientele that you're looking for. If you're looking for just the baddest hard nose, whatever, then 
you cut out the amenities you have something that looks like daisy fresh where you know there's like insulation hanging from the ceiling whatever like give people that story if if you want to have the you know if you want kids to stop playing soccer and come play jujitsu then you have you know all the amenities rolled out for them you know like the nicest mats the top of the line gear you have your you know everything decked in all white who cares but it there's plenty of room out there for people to open up schools. And I, I don't think a lot of people realize that yet. It's funny, as you're mentioning, I'm thinking it's like in this general area, let's say 10 mile radius, there is <clears throat> Crazy 88, Randori, um, Noel Smith, Conquest, there's one other in a Garfield. So there's six different gyms in this in a 10-mile radius of here. And then out of those six different gyms or you know groups, I want to say three of them have multiple locations still in this radius. I think Randori has two, Conquest has two, we have two. And it's like and, and they're all doing well, you know, it's, it is just crazy to think in, in, in this little area, because it's not a big area. I mean, you know, the Annapolis uh, area is kind of what it siphons from. But it's like, wow, you know, th there's so many gyms out here and people are hitting those gyms. I think someone mentioned the other day, there's one of our students, I think he trains at three different gyms. And it's like, and, and but he's a he's a world beater. This kid is out there. Just if there's a competition, he's there. He's on it. Yeah. If there's practice, he's at practice. This is like jujitsu is his thing, and and that's you know the beauty of this right now is like you know growing up again. We had those kids that played baseball like that, that played football like that, that played basketball. They were on the travel teams that were you know. Is that, like that's their future. They're going to be a football player, basketball player, you know, baseball player. And now we're seeing these grapplers, these young jujitsu players, you know, coming up. And it's like, wow, this dude is at every practice possible. This dude is at every competition possible. He's training at almost every gym possible. Yeah. You know, it, it's like. Well, let's take a second to talk about uh, Helena Carver. Yeah, you know, what, yeah. 16 years old, she has, what, 100,000 Instagram followers now and is just absolutely undefeated, wins most of what won trials by all submissions. I think it was like mm -hmm. East Coast trials by all submission. I mean, just incredible. And guess what? She's trained at a lot of gyms. She's under, you know, John Danaher now. And she just just an incredible athlete who has been able to travel around and, and was blessed enough to be able to go to every competition. It seems like, like, it seems like no matter what the competition is, when it's done, she posts a picture like the next day, like, yeah, I won double gold at this one and all submission. It's like, oh, you were in what the Miami open or something <laughs> like whatever it is. She's there. She's on it. Yeah. that That's, you know, that's that dedication, you know, it's like, look, I'm here, I'm doing this. And, you know, kudos to, you know, her family for supporting her. 
you know, sure. and, 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 you know, because I think that's the thing, too, when I think about growing up and saying, hey, you know, I wish I would have found jujitsu earlier or, you know, let's move the timetable. Let's say I'm I'm 16 now coming up in this. And it's not to say my family is not supportive, but my family, I think, is a little bit more traditional. So it's like, OK, sure, you want to do this. We're glad you want to do this. But um, yeah, so you going to college like what's your plan yeah, after exactly. high school you know versus you know it's like well look you're completely dedicated to this and you're showing that you know you're willing to put the time and effort and, and you love this you've got our full support um i, I love to think my family it would pick up on that but the question is what i have that discipline like her because like again to to have that dedication that you know you got to be is a special kind of person to really be dialed in like that. Yeah, yet to definitely show success. Um, I was actually uh, recently heard on a different podcast that I won't mention the name, um, but I found out that Nikki Ryan didn't even graduate high school. Like he still didn't even have a high school degree because he was doing so good at jujitsu. He dropped out, and uh, it just you know it, it's a special kind of person that knows like without a doubt and he, he was telling the story his mom and uh like he begged his mom to let him quit school for like two years like he knew before he ever quit and then finally like, just fine because he did he made it to like adcc or something like oh, okay well this is obviously going to be your life from here on out but like my family my my dad jimmy frank no he would have definitely Put his tilt of boot right in my ass if I ever told him I was dropping out to do jiu-jitsu. Like, absolutely not. And I think my grandparents would have been like, because my grandparents adopted me. I think they were like, we didn't save you from the streets of Flint, Michigan. <laughs> you didn't drop out of high school to go fight people in pajamas. Like, <laughs> no, absolutely not. And, and you know, and, and I wouldn't blame them. Like, you know. Yeah. But there is a thing, though, too. It's like, you know, with that being kind of the thing on the table, it's like, okay, let me drop out. You know, give me two years. Your back is against the wall. It's like, you know, there are folks that, you know, the, their back's against the wall. They, they, they're going to fight back and they're going to get, you know, get out there. You know, and, and that's not, you know, necessarily the case to say that's for everyone. Because, you know, what is it, a documentary or something on Netflix? Is it called The Secret? I think um, I've seen it. Uh, it, I feel like so Sarah has said that we watched it <laughs> I don't remember watching it so it clearly wasn't that impactful but I've had so many people tell me to watch it and they talk about how it it's like I, I guess it's kind of like the uh, you know the universe is on your side you know if you if you believe in good things good things will happen that type of thing it's yeah. like yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. But, you know, there's also the idea, though, too, of like, you know, I've, I've had a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses knock on my door and I like to let them in. I like to talk with them, um, you know, not not, you know, blowing smoke up their ass or anything. I do enjoy the conversation. One day I want to get them on a podcast and, and have a have a conversation. I, I don't know if I can convince them, though. I think as soon as you break out the microphones, we're like, now nah, we're good. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> we got to go. But, um, you know, talking with them, uh, this one, one gentleman, Abraham, very nice guy. 
he, he stopped by every couple of weeks. And my wife was always like, they're going to keep coming by because you keep letting them in. I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm, they're not bothering me. <laughs> um, you know, and the Mormons too, I let them come in too. The Mormons were, were the best because they actually helped me do chores. So I, I always <laughs> let them come in. They, they, they knew when to come over and I knew when to be cleaning. I was like, all right, it's three o'clock. I'm going to go ahead and start mopping this floor. Knock, knock, knock. Oh, hey, what's going on, Jonathan? Come on in. I was waiting for you. Um, but like talk with the Jehovah's Witnesses. One thing that you know they would always say is like, you know, when bad things are happening, it's because of the devil. And you know, they kept pushing that. And I, you know, I told the guy, I was like, look, man, my car just got repossessed last week. That's a bad thing. That wasn't because of the devil, it's because I didn't pay my bill. Like it, it, it's pretty straightforward. And it's like, I'm not trying to, you know, shoot down your religion or your beliefs. But what I am trying to say is like there are other, you know, it's not just believing good things and good things will happen. Work goes into these things as well. You know, you have to believe in good things, but you also have to work. You can believe in good things and be a lazy son of a bitch. That mean good things are going to happen. You know, you know, so, you know, when, when you think about, you know, Nicky Ryan, you know, saying, hey, give me two years. He believed in himself, but he also worked hard as hell. No doubt. And, and, and you know, got to where he needed to be and i think that's just you know again another one of those things i think kids are just you know you, you see people talking about kids today being lazy or kids today not being um as tough as kids from previous generations and i don't fully agree with that i think we have more access to you know seeing activity seeing kids, seeing teenagers growing up versus back in the day. So, you know, we don't know the kids who were fucking off, you know, back in 1972. I'm That's sure there's fair. a lot of them, you know, whereas like we get to see all the kids now fucking off. But the thing is, too, there's a lot of stuff that we think they're just bullshit about. But, you know, like video games, like a lot of esports, as you mentioned earlier, a lot of those kids, you think, oh, you're just burning your brain away playing video games. But no, they're developing skills. And that could, like, they that used to be a them, problem. But now, yeah. like, <laughs> you're a millionaire now. The kids yeah. want to be content creators. You know, again, parents saying, oh, you know, the, these knuckleheads just want to play on their stupid cameras and, and all this. But, you know, these kids are becoming millionaires because of this stuff so i think kids today are working hard they're just working hard in a different way than what yeah. we grew up because we didn't have those technologies that are available today i mean like me coming up you know i remember being no internet and then just all of a sudden there's the internet and then it became this game of like, how do we make the internet work for us? How do we make money off the internet? And that was hard work trying to figure it out back then. Now it is still hard work, but there are a lot more available options on how to show you how to make that yeah. a thing. So and every day there's a new tool that you can learn. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I the, what, what, we just watched some movie the other day and the guy gets in the airplane and like, you know how to fly a plane? He's like, yeah. He's got his phone up watching a YouTube video. He's like, 
okay. <laughs> like, but that, but that is a thing. Like my toilet broke. So I pulled out my phone. I was like, well, how, how do I fix this? And sure enough, um, they just showed me like, oh, okay. If I take this off this and then I got to the heart, I was like, okay, this is broken. I got to get a new one of these. That's all there is. Okay. I would not have known how to get to the root of that without yeah. YouTube. I mean, we have all these technologies at our fingertips now that, I mean, this podcast here, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I just, I mean, the first two episodes, I used my phone and I didn't even do that correctly because I thought <laughs> there were microphones all over my phone and there was only yeah. one microphone and it, it was a disaster. But, you know, hop on YouTube, it was like, okay. And mind you, when I did the first two episodes, I had equipment. I just music. was like, I'm going to use, use my phone. But it, it turned into this thing of go on YouTube, look stuff up, you know, and sure enough, you know, it, it's it's not Joe Rogan. It's not, you know, your mom's house is not, you know, any of these podcasts makes a bunch of money, but it is something that people listen to people gain from i actually just got a message about the horror podcast which was very very you know it was like holy shit nice. someone listens on a regular and he's he, he really loved the episode oh my god so it's like you know we as this generation this world moves on have all these advantages at our fingertips and sure we can sit here and say believe in good things good things will happen but also take advantage of the technologies at hand you know whether it be to learn jujitsu to learn how to podcast to learn about horror movies as i'm watching a nightmare on elm street part two in the background um you know to learn how to make your ring light work which you know thank you youtube even though it did have instructions i'm not going to read the instructions because they're too small but either way we just have so much like these days that i think a lot of people turn their nose up at and it could just be that people are setting their ways they don't want to understand and the funny thing is it's a lot of younger people that are saying these things they're like you know kids today are lazy the kids today are this the kids today are that it's like you're one of those kids yeah i i don't get it so thank you for coming to my ted talk I'm, I wonder, how do you get to do a TED Talk? I think I'm gonna, like, hey, can I do a TED Talk? What are you going to talk about? I don't know. I like to say bad words, though. Like, <laughs> is, is that viable? Is that something that you all going to let me do? No? Right. Hey, if I'm you're going to do a TED Talk, you better let me know, because I'm going to show up with that audience, and I'm going to have a cardboard <laughs> sign, and I'm going to hold it up. Hey, if I do a TED Talk, trust me, that that's, that's I'm promoting it on BJJ Wiki. <laughs> like, do it. Hey, y'all, show it. up to it. Like, like, what are you going to be talking about? I have no idea. I told them that I know a lot of stuff and I don't know many things, but <laughs> we can talk about scary movies for hours and people are going to be like, this is a horrible Ted talk. I know, right? This isn't for you. This the isn't history of technology. Oh yeah. I, I got you there. I, I've got memes in my phone that is like, I think from 2016 still that I haven't even gotten to like <laughs> one day. It's like, is this even still relevant? Mm -mm. But it's it's a throwback. It'll still be funny. Um, like, uh, one thing I wanted to uh, actually ask you about in technology uh, is about the app. As you know, we talk about jujitsu and we talk about technology. 
that's a huge thing there as well that that you've been working on and i think that's something that i think is a big step in kind of helping promote this community as well is incorporating technology and and really um dialing in note taking because my coach gets on me about note taking i tell him I was like yeah take notes he's like can i see him i was like well I'm not like no, like I'm not gonna see my notes yet. Like, like this is a secret. I, I have a notebook though that I do actually. I write my notes and then I type them out too. But I utilize Champions Keep Score for that. Um, so I I guess with that I want to ask, um, how are you feeling about the app uh, thus far? And uh, any feedback um that you've been getting? Um, as far as how it's going right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited and I'm as as committed today as I was, you know, when I started the adventure way back when. Um, it's just it's crazy. You know, I keep my head down. I haven't been training as much because I've been working on the app and you can almost watch the sport evolve around you, you know, because I've been working on the same thing and I look up and it's like, holy shit, that's an arm bar now. <laughs> you know, you go, Go back down and come back up and it's like then everyone's doing that arm bar like choy bar wasn't really that popular the arm saddle wasn't that popular and now it's everywhere um it's just interesting the perspective you get when you're like trying to keep up with a sport when you're trying to develop an app for a sport or anything uh when whatever that is is evolving as you go so it's like there's all these new features i want to incorporate and it's like man so i haven't done the other stuff first but it's it's coming along. Um, I'm I'm super excited. You know, we're in beta testing for the journal feature. Uh, there's been some good feedback from my beta testers, and I've made some improvements, some some bug fixes. I think the uh, interface is good. Um, I'm working on now the actual like role analyzer. Had a meeting with my backend developer this last week, um, and we're getting into the details. You know, this is the this is the moment I've been waiting for. It's like you. Um, I don't like in the movies, you see a kid who's always like making model rocket ships or something. And then they finally get to like, go to a launch pad. Like I'm at the launch pad now, you know, I have this, this thing that I've been obsessing about, we're actually having conversations about what, you know, what does this data look like? What are the reports we're going to create? And, you know, my backend developers has started developing the API for me and I've started on the, the user interface and it's just, man, I'm excited. And this is like the feature that started the whole dream. So everything else has been really stable. You know, the um, we have a, a Discord now, and the, it's not super active. You know, I think people are just really busy and don't always have time to get on it. But there's there's a few people that have a lot of ideas, and um, I'm really excited to get this next feature into beta testing because I think that's going to be the real game changer. That's going to be what ties the journal together gives the journal a reason to exist you know what i mean um so yeah it, it's it's coming up it's something i'm working on if i wasn't at this podcast right now i'd be working on it so um like i i get the the alerts on the discord so i'm a lurker i, I look and i'm like okay okay cool all right cool that all right that i didn't notice that but okay actually there was one thing i haven't actually messed with it on my ipad in a while um 
and I, I didn't think about it. like I thought it was like it could just be the iPad being glitchy, but it kept booting me out, and I was like, I'll I'll uh, I'll uh, message about it. And then was I it just like that Google Google kept booting it out, or yeah, it just it just kept logging me out completely. Okay. Like I'll start the notes, and I thought it was because you know I might have let it sit idle, but then it kicked me out in the middle of type, and I was like, okay, so I just That's went back weird. to doing it on my uh, computer. So I was like, I'll, I'll bring it up, but then because I just went back to my computer, I'm just like, oh, okay, well, I haven't messed with the iPad in a long time. So, but um, yeah, it, it it's funny because when I talk about note taking, I don't like, cause I'm not sure about like, you know, talking about it yet. So I'm like, I'm taking notes. Uh, a friend of mine is working on something and I'm taking notes. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And then it's just like, okay. <laughs> I didn't want any more questions to come out because I didn't want this to like become a thing. Like, yeah. well, like tell us about it. Like, well, I don't want, you know, I gotta go like right now, but uh, I'll talk, I'll talk to you guys later. Uh, you know, but, um, you know, always, you know, stress that at all my classes, I talk about note taking and video as well. Um, and even video and then taking notes off your video. Um, and that's something that I think the app, you know, will definitely, uh, play big for a lot of people. Like, like I said, technology is where we're at. And then you look at the sport that's growing and you combine the two and it's like, you know, you can't go wrong. So, um, I'm excited. I can't wait to start, you know, bragging and like, Hey, Hey, you know, download this app. I know this guy, this is my friend. Like, cause, cause I'm, I'm, I'm quick to name drop. Like, I'm real quick to like, Oh yeah, Zach. Yeah, no, that's my boy. Yeah. Yeah. Student to BJJ. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just know that goes, that goes two ways. You know, anytime there's a new grappler in the gym or whatever, and they're looking for Instagram accounts, which, uh, I didn't think was a thing for a long time, but that's actually surprising how many people are like, yeah, well, like, who do you follow? Like, what are the, you know, I guess when you get uh, higher up in the belt, you know, people want to know like who to go. And it's always like, well, first you're going to go to BJJ wiki because it's got all the things. Thank you. Um, yeah. And then it's like, and then off the mat podcast, because that has all the things also. And yeah, by the way, it's the same guy. And then you just, yeah, I mean, it just goes both ways. It's such a community, you know what I mean? Like we all lift each other up, and it's uh, I've been been very blessed, um, without a doubt, just the people I've met in jujitsu and and elsewhere, but specifically jujitsu. You know, there's this this we've talked about it before that the people that get so into it, we all have some sort of like the same wounds that we're all trying to heal. It's just so easy to find a community in it, you know, where we. We're all attacking each other, but really we're attacking ourselves. And we, we all understand that in a way that that people that don't have whatever those wounds are, like they don't get it. Oh, why would you go get all sweaty with somebody? Why would you go let somebody choke you or whatever? And it's like, I never really thought about it. It just seemed like the right thing to do, you know, and it just makes sense to me. And, you know, it makes sense to my teammates. And, um, you know, it just it brings people in. There's no, there's no one kind of person that loves jujitsu. You know, I feel like, I feel like I can point to somebody and tell you if, if they're a baseball fan or not. 
and I can point to someone and tell you if they're, you know, a basketball fan or not or whatever. Like it's, it's just, but jujitsu, you never know, you know, you, you may have Gordon Ryan, you may have Mikey Misamechi come in and you just, you never know, or, you know, you're Elizabeth Clays or, you know, like you can never point at somebody and know if they're a fan unless they have the cauliflower ear, you know, that's, that's a dead giveaway, but yeah. <laughs> I see the cauliflower here immediately. Yeah. I'm like, Ooh, friend. Oh yeah. Let's, let's go talk to him. Um, but it's, it's great. You know, like it's helped me meet so many people, um, both in through social media and just being in the gym and, um, just, just thankful for the community because it's definitely helped me out. And a lot of my own trials, I mean, you also don't start making an app or something unless you're kind of sick in the head. So, um, because you get you know overly obsessed about it you know this is the room that you're seeing right now is the room that i've done so much of this work in and it's dark and kind of lonely and you just you got a dream and you're going to grind it out and do it and to be around other people that share that same philosophy is is helpful and it, it kills that that isolation that you feel otherwise i think yeah i think you know we speak of the community i mentioned to my wife the other day um, one of my friends, she had been laid off and all her friends were through work. And, and even with that, it was just really a work relationship. It wasn't like they were friends away from work. So she and I are talking she goes, um, like, I don't, I don't have friends. And I was like, I was like, sure you do. And then she's like, no, I need a hobby. I was like, okay, well, um, you know, when it comes to, well, she goes, I don't have friends. Um, you know, how do you have so many friends? She's like, I need a hobby. And I go, well, okay, let's take those two things apart right there. So, yes, a hobby would help for sure. Um, but the thing is, for me, as far as friends go, I have a community within my hobby. And a lot of that is social media and online. Like, um, you know, she, she immediately goes, yeah, I don't really want to talk to people online. Those dangerous. Da, da, da. And, you know, and that's where, you know, I started really talking about, um, you know, the people that I've met through Instagram, specifically our episode 100 crew. Um you know, because everyone there I consider to be a friend. Sure. You know, you know like yourself, uh, BJJ Mama, uh, you know, Tiana Taylor, you know, Johan, you know, um, Alex. You know, I, I yeah. talk to everyone pretty regularly. Um, I talk to, you know, uh, BJJ Mama, I would say probably every couple of weeks. And she's real busy on her end. So it's like, I kind of, you know, I'll float a message like, Hey, everything. Okay. And then, you know, conversation, conversation yeah. sparks up, um, you know, Johan kind of a similar thing is like, you know, but I explained to my friend, it's like, you know, within our community, within this hobby in the community, within that hobby, it was like, there are a lot of great people, but the thing is about those people and, and, and this hobby is like, we're all there. Kind of for the same reasons, kind of as, as a final outcome to some degree, where we're trying to be better than we were before. Yeah. 
Um, and, and, you know, I wasn't trying to preach her like, you know, get involved in jujitsu, but only do it if you're trying to improve yourself. It wasn't one of those things. It was more like, you know, if you're going to going into any hobby, you know, I would advise not going in under the idea of like, I'm going in to make friends. I'm going in for friends, go in for the hobby's sake. And then those friendships should develop. I would hope. Sure. It'd certainly be more. Yeah. If you go into a hobby and you make a bunch of friends and then decide you hate the hobby and leave, you're going to be in the same situation as you were when you got laid off from work. You know, the community is not going to make sense anymore. Those friends aren't going to have that thing to talk with you about. So um, it's like they say in, in furniture design, uh, form follows function, you know, like you, you got to pick what you want to do first and let everything else happen from that, you know, all your decisions. So pick the hobby that you want. Once you know that that's what you want to do. And once you feel strongly about mm-hmm. it, the community that you get exposed to because of that is going to be a stronger community. You're going to have much deeper connections. You're going to feel much more comfortable and you're not at jeopardy of just walking away from it anytime soon. Yeah, like I look back on my years of playing football and basketball, and my friends from basketball, I'm still connected with. My friends from football, not necessarily. Well, in as much as I love football, I don't know that I loved it in the sense of like it was my every waking moment. Yeah, you know, like the people that I played football with, we were just there for an activity. The people I played basketball with were friends that I kind of grew up with. We all came up together. Um, and then here in jiu-jitsu, I kind of look at it that way too. Because me starting jiu-jitsu and, and kind of going through my trials and tribulations, you know, my teammates have seen me struggle with that. And they've seen me grow. And they've seen me, you know, progress. And, and I think about that on social media too. You know, seeing you go from purple to brown and seeing BJJ Mama go from white belt to uh, blue belt. And then, you know, uh, one of her teammates who's been on the podcast a few times, you know, seeing her go from white belt to blue belt to now purple belt and hell on her way to brown. It's yeah, like, it's okay, you're watching these watching these people grow. But it's like there's a thing to that where, you know, you're kind of watching each other grow up. And you learn from each other and there's connection and that's where the community comes in where it's like okay you know even away from the idea of jiu-jitsu it's like well i'm running to like bjj mama i know with her social media work um you know you know she'll turn to me and ask me a question i was like hey how do you do this 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 or that i was like you're the one that that's a social media marketing person <laughs> i'm just a guy like but it, I'm going to say 90% of the stuff that I do is by kind of riding the wave of, of the community right now. It's like, I just catch the trend as it happens. And it's not that I know that it's happening. I, I, I forced got my way into it a lot. I'm just like, I like that sound. And the next thing you know, it's like, your, your reel is doing nine, you know, 900% better than the last yeah. one. It's like, I, but why is that doing that? I don't know. So, you know, but she'll come to me and ask me questions and then I'll go to her and she actually gives me pep talks a lot of times where like, I'm feeling, you know, kind of a certain way about the podcast. And, you know, essentially she's kind of like, you know, that, that, that person says, get off your ass and do it. And I'm (laughs) like, do it. 
like wow like the, this little bitty woman just told me to get off my ass like like <laughs> i can i guess i kind of have to because i mean the proof is in the pudding i mean she gets off her ass and she's working hard and yeah. and that's part of that community it's like you see your friends working hard and you turn around like well i gotta work hard so it's like we all kind of play off of each other and that's what i love about this community is that you know there's so much to learn from each other and there's so much support from each other so um yeah it's very special like i i always you know have to say thank you to all of you especially like i use a lot of your content as my post so i'm like okay like there you go and then also i have some of your content in my folder called the game plan so it's like there's a lot of it that i'm you know i'm like okay i'm gonna drill this like this this can play into my system now that we're developing so thank you for that oh you're welcome i'm glad it's helping somebody and that's it's always been the goal you know is not my personal clout but rather just how can i dent this community in some way you know how can i take a white belt and give them a little bit of confidence you know i'm i don't have right now the skill set to put somebody on the podium at worlds or at adcc or whatever but i can help somebody get there on some even tiny level and even if it's something they don't remember you know it may have been one little piece of content that nudged them in such a way that you know made them want to go to the gym or whatever and like for me that's that's everything you know whatever it takes to get somebody excited to get somebody curious to get somebody just wanting to be there and it's crazy how often like just in my personal life um in work or whatever people come up to me and like hey i really want to get my kids in jujitsu you know like what what gym should i go to or whatever like that kind of thing just feeds off of itself you know the more i don't know trustworthy that you are the more you know real content you put out the more you can steer people in a direction that like is beneficial you know you can help them avoid some of the mcdojos where someone's gonna you know teach you something you shouldn't learn or you know whatever and get somebody hurt or you know whatever but um it's just been been great to be a part of the community and it's great to be you know active in it and to to be an ambassador for brazilian jiu-jitsu is everything i've you know always wanted to do more than than anything else so that content that you're using like that's that's why it's there that's why i don't somebody post it and they don't give me credit like i don't i've had to get on comments before someone's like this is student bjj's you know like you should take this down it's like oh hold on i don't care like there's a reason why like yeah i'll put a watermark on it especially like a meme but i'll put it like in the white space down below like cut it out i don't really care if you cut it out you know i especially back when I was making a lot more memes, like I could make more memes than people could copy. Like they're not, they're not going to beat me by copying me ever. Cause I could just blast them. You know, I could have put out so much more content than they could copy that they could never overcome. So it was about whatever I could get to make somebody enjoy the sport, whether to laugh at themselves or laugh at something or to be inspired. And, and that was what I really wanted. I think that's, one of the important aspects of it all is like again like you said if someone can gain from it that's an important thing and you know just looking at what this community has brought to me what you all have brought to the community you know 
I, I think it all reaches out. I think it, you know, it all, it, it spans out, you know, further than we think. So, you know, actually I just saw uh, Carlos Con Condit liked one of my posts and I don't even know when it, it I don't know when the post was from, but Con Carlos Condit, like that was like my guy. Like, yeah. Anytime he fought, I'm watching those fights. It, you know, I'm cheering for him. When he fought GSP, I was like, "That's incredible." I I argued. I was like, "Nah, I think he won that fight." I think my biggest uh, like unexpected like was Freddie Prince Jr. liked one of my posts Ooh. because he's like his he has a podcast. And I think it's like Freddie Prince wrestles or something like that. Like he's he's in the community, and I just never knew it. Yeah, and he liked one of my posts. I was like. Like, there's no way that this is like the same guy. And I went to it and I was like, holy shit, Freddie Prince Jr. Nice. Yeah. Like, it's crazy when when we get those likes and it's like, like wait a minute, are you sure? Like, I got a really weird, <laughs> unexpected one that I don't know. It, and it's really bizarre because he follows me now. It's uh, so in the 90s, I was a big fan of Melrose Place. I never miss an episode. It's on Hulu now, and I still watch Melrose Place. That was my show. It was trash. It was not a good show, but it was my show. And um, there's a character on there named Richard. He was a bad guy, a very bad guy. Um, they 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 killed him. They thought they killed him. They buried him alive. He came back. He haunted them. He was a bad guy. His name is Patrick Muldoon, the the actor. And he follows BJJ Wiki and likes posts pretty frequently. <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out, like, does this dude do jujitsu? <laughs> like, I'm not understanding, but it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, it doesn't make sense, but I'm happy about it because I grew up watching this dude on TV torment these women on Melrose Place. And I rooted for him to get destroyed every time. I was like, Oh, y'all got to get rid of that dude. <laughs> like, he's not right. <laughs> like, yes, they buried him. Oh, no, the hand came out of the dirt. He's not dead. Jane, go back. Like, run him over. Um, but it, it's just funny how this community reaches. Um, yeah, WWE uh, wrestlers, you know, a lot of them train, you know. Yeah. So, you know, seeing that and, and you know, just, you know, understanding now that it's like okay like we're talking about catch wrestling and how how you know pro wrestling has become kind of the entertainment form that it's become you know now you see a lot of these guys doing jiu-jitsu moves undertaker was doing uh gogo platas way back in the day before we knew what a gogo plata was so um yeah, it, like, i mean the boston crab you know a lot of the figure four mm -hmm. stuff they used to do like that's all catch wrestling, you know, that's all yeah. from the snake pit or, you know, various other local forms of, of wrestling that they had. Yeah. It, it's fascinating to see, you know, all the stuff that, you know, we have out here now. And then when you see where it came from and how far removed, you know, people are from it to some degree, but it's like the roots are always still there. You know, there's always still, that heavy connection. There are always those people that will pay tribute and pay honor to those original roots, which is, is good. Cause we should never, ever forget where we came from. So, here, here. um, you know, that being what it is, I think that's a good note to end on. 
Zach, we've been going for two hours here, over two hours here. So thank you for this. Before we get out of here, got any shout outs or mentions you'd like to drop? Nothing specific. Just, uh, you know, be on the lookout for Champions Keep score. Um, we're starting to get into a lot of the really fun stuff. And and I'm excited about what the next, you know, six, six eight months holds in terms of, uh, you know, releasing it to the public. I'm excited. Um, and, and as always, thank you for having me on the show. I This is, yeah, we talked about it beforehand. You know, like we, we didn't even have a topic to to talk about this time. And normally we kind of have some show notes to start off with. But uh, I was just excited to catch up with you because, you know, I've been super busy. I know you have too with the new job and just everything that's going on. And uh, just the opportunity to sit down and, and reconnect was was everything. So as always, thank you. No, absolutely. Yeah, I was excited. Just thinking was like, I don't have any questions. I don't have any specific notes. I just want to sit down and talk and see where it goes. And I mean, as expected, the conversation flowed. And I mean, honestly, in my mind, I was like, you know what? You're you're in a horror movie discussion group. <laughs> let me let me talk to him about some horror movies just because every night it is just nonstop horror movies. Tonight's nightmare on Elm Street. Probably not the best choice, but whatever. Like, uh, the thirteenth is coming up, so. Oh no, uh, no, that's no. that's uh, Friday. Um, <laughs> I, I, I will be doing Friday the thirteenth. I'm actually going to watch some of those tomorrow because my niece says she will do a Friday the thirteenth episode with me. So nice. we're going to because uh, the way that the schedule works out for the podcast, we'll never be able to do an episode on Friday the thirteenth because it's every first and third Friday. Mm -hmm. And Friday the 13th is always a second Friday. So we're going to rush out an episode this week, drop it on Friday. And then we got the Exorcist episode coming out next Friday. So it, it's it's about to get extremely spooky in this house. But, um, but yeah. Yeah. It, ever it was, since actually I joined the uh, the Facebook group, uh, I've been just thinking about horror movies. And, you know, my, my wife can't watch them. She just... It, she would need you know therapy for months after watching like anything and son is out of the question i don't think he'll ever like horror movies and and that's fine but that leaves me kind of stranded out here as somebody who grew up with all the scariest um but i decided to start sipping i would start you know watching bits and pieces of these movies like after they go to bed or whatever and it's not really horror but i'm just kind of getting my feet wet uh the other day i did constantine watched about half of it and it's yeah it's one of the ones i really wanted to come back and revisit because it's just creepy in a good way um so hopefully i'll be able to finish that up tonight uh, so that's that's my horror plug it's that's not true horror but at least it's in kind of the ballpark i i always say horror is such a weird genre because there's so many things that get disincluded in horror that people don't want to count as horror and then it's like, you know what? If it makes you feel any kind of way, it's a horror. The Good Son with Macaulay Culkin is a horror. I don't yeah. care what anyone says. <laughs> if you got kids, that movie's a goddamn horror. And <laughs> and like in the in what makes it even scary is the parents knew that he drowned that kid, and they were just in denial. So that makes it even scary because it's like they know they live in a house with a psychopath. Yeah. And they're walking on eggshells around this kid and he could strike at any moment. As soon as Frodo moved in the house, Kevin McAllister was on his ass. So um Constantine absolutely counts. And 
honestly, I'm glad you reminded me of that because I might actually drop that into my um, movie list for the week because I'm doing 31 movies for uh, October. So yeah, I got I got to the scene where the uh, the bug demon came blowing in outside of the gas station, and mm. that that is a moment of horror for a lot of people. When when I think about Constantine um, and the element of being a horror movie, because I absolutely think that it is, I also think about the movie The Prophecy with Christopher mm -hmm. Walken, and that is absolutely a horror. So if anyone ever argues that Constantine is not a horror, go watch The Prophecy. Go watch Constantine. They're both in the same pocket. They're yeah, they need to have movies. like a subgenre, like a like a... I don't know, gospel horror or something like stuff that's in and around specifically, you know, the exorcist would be dropped in exorcist. Yep. There's no doubt. Everyone considers that horror. Constantine is friends with that movie. I think. Yes. Like I always consider it religious, religious horror. Um, and when we did the horror through the decades, when we got to the seventies, there were really, there was religious horror before, like with Faust back in 1923. Or 33 20s or 30s um you know that was one of the earlier elements of hearing religious horror um but there's a lot like white zombie like you know has elements of that um but i think at at, at the 1970 mark that's where we started really getting into the exorcist the omen carrie even falls in that pocket yeah um the Nightmare on Elm Street, number three, which is now one in my background, kind of touches against that a little bit when you talk about Freddie's mom being a nun. Um, you know, so th there's, I feel like that subgenre is such a, a big one that people don't know how to take because it's like, how do you take? Because religion is such, religion is scary. And, yeah, can be. you know, it, yeah, yeah, it, it can be for sure. It it shouldn't be, but it can be depending on you know the vehicle that you're driving with the religion, whether you want to you know use exorcisms or whether you want to use just straight possession, or you know you want to go you know the route of Constantine where you have, um, John Constantine you know battling against Satan, or you have Gabriel in the prophecy, you know basically trying to you know save the earth from satan rising again or demon knights you know tell us from the crypt demon knights you know mm -hmm. you have all these these different horror movies that includes religion the stand stephen king's the stand is another one um but hey like i said i i count as horror I'm gonna actually, if you count it then it counts that's how i see it I'm putting it on the list this week. I'll probably, I'll probably watch it on a Wednesday night now. Um, but let me stop because if I go into the horror discussion <laughs> here for another two hours, and Sarah's going to be texting me like, "What the hell are you still doing up?" Like I'm editing. <laughs> you were editing when I left. Um, so thank you again, Zach, for this. Right, it's, um, it's always a pleasure. And as always, to everyone listening, thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you for the support. If you all have any questions, concerns, criticisms, feel free to reach out to me. You can find me on bjj.wiki on Instagram or off the mats podcast on Instagram. And hey, if you want to be a guest, reach out. I, I'm, I'm open. You know, I don't, I'm not going to turn you away. 
even if you want to talk about flat earth if you want to talk about flat earth i'm especially going to have you on because i've got questions and i need <laughs> answers um i want to give a big shout out to my crew over at nerd rage radio bobby chris joe marilyn phil ricky tiki um all all of the crew over there if it wasn't for nerd rage radio i would not be doing podcasts and um i just you know gotta say thank you to them and i gotta get over there and do another episode with them. i haven't been there since june so i need to get back with my team um yeah yes yes um also want to give a shout out here as we were talking about horror movies you know shout out to the horror podcast so you like horror if you're into that kind of thing if you're into the spooky stuff go give it a listen uh you know this episode is going to be coming out after Friday the 13th. So go catch up on the Friday the 13th episode that my niece and I are going to be recording soon. Also following up from that, we tend to do every other week, but this is October. So why not do them every week? We're going to have a review of the most recent release, The Exorcist Believer. The Exorcist came out 50 years ago and they decided to do a sequel 50 years later. There have been other sequels, but this is now kind of in that new brand of sequels like Halloween and Scream and Texas Chainsaw Massacre and so forth. So go check that out. We're going to be uh, recording that, and that should be out by the time you hear this or coming out by the time you hear this. And um, last but not least, I want to give a shout out to my guest here, Zach, also known as Student of BJJ. You know, Zach has amazing content that I tend to pull from. And also, I utilize for my own learning purposes and his memes. I drop them in there just to remind you guys, not only can he grapple, but he can make you laugh as well. So uh, big shout out to Zach. Thank you again for doing this. Otherwise, I love you all. Thank you. You guys keep listening to the show, and we're going to keep making it. Thank you, everyone, and goodbye. They probably said, now let me see his song.